0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast.
1: All of the papers talk of its splash and burn is a headline from the mirror today. They're talking about uh, another three people on an inflatable dinghy getting blown offshore and uh, rescued amid fears that they were drifting away from a beach and what have you. So it comes with warnings, obviously. Uh, I read, so heard on radio this morning, somebody saying along the lines, that it's a pity that we we can't enjoy the sunshine without risk warnings all of the time and... Talk of climate change, but they're the times we live in. We're on a hot streak, warning over the new scorcher as we head for a, a summer record. And of course, there are obviously, you know, warnings with regards to looking after yourself and looking after your skin and looking after pets and what have you. Enjoy the sun, but be mindful is the story that makes the echo today. Cop on is what's needed, really. Time to get your Sunny's worth according to the sun today. Root out the tanning lotion. Heat wave on the way. Um, The sun this morning has been quite optimistic where they're talking about, yeah, they're right when they say Ireland is in for a week of scorching weather. It's here and it's been with us for a few days, but they're saying the temperatures could hit 31 degrees. So that'd be quite interesting as we head to the back end of the week if we get that. But I love the story in The Times where they break down past Irish heat waves. And I won't go into the details at this stage. just the years. They're saying July of 2021, last year, 2018. The summer of that year was the warmest and driest on record uh, for much of Europe. So 2021, 2018, 2006, 2003, 1995, where we had 27 days where temperatures exceeded 25 degrees. And we had record highs in 95 of almost 31 degrees on the second day of August. I don't know if people were talking about risk or climate change back then. 1983. Two independent heat waves, uh, one on the 10th of July and back again then in August, apparently. And then the one that I remember as a Jungfla, 1976, because it seemed to me in 1976 that the entire summer was a heat wave. And it could be right, because the three month heat wave during that year uh, caused the worst drought in 150 years in 1976. So I don't know. Does that put things in perspective when we think of and work on, uh, you know, the times that we're living in now and the changes that we're going through? They're the heat waves of yesteryear. And we're in the middle of one now. Long may it continue. Well, I suppose as long as they don't start turning off the taps and we're going to drought and we have hosepipe bans like they have in the UK. In real world um, stories, the Echo this morning talks of Threshold, dealing with with 1,500 new clients In Cork. In Cork. In the first six months of this year, 15 new clients equates, wouldn't you think, to 1500, sorry, I should say 1500 new clients equates to 1500 new families. And much of it, of course, has to do with the increase in landlords who are giving notices to quit because they just want to sell up. It's a story that's picked up in this morning's mail where they say the rental crisis sees nearly 5,600 landlords quitting in one year alone. They're getting out, as we were talking about yesterday, because of booming property prices and a series of mortgage interest rate hikes. So they're thinking, well... Mortgages are going to go up, but their paying on the property is going to increase. It's going to eat into the rental um, profit. And so therefore, now is the best time to get out when property prices are high. And then, um, you know, The Sun reminds us of a story that was making the news yesterday, 3,000 eviction notices issued to renters in the first half uh, of this year. And that's why you have the likes of Sinn Féin and and others now, not just Sinn Féin, but the National Housing Charity Threshold, uh, are talking about uh, a ban on evictions, tenants facing rental crisis. Uh, we should be back to the emergency uh, legislation that was there for COVID. One thing that has boomed, okay, house prices have boomed and gone through the roof. Uh, it's lovely if you're selling, but not if you're trying to buy. But the mail this morning says that mobile homes are enjoying a return to the 80s heyday of the mobile home. I I, I would have thought, because previous to mobile homes, it would have been caravans, wasn't it? yeah hitch it up to the back of the Morris Minor and you're off down to Yall. But mobile homes apparently peaked in the 80s and they're back now to the 80s heyday. Sales going through the roof as people seek to avoid airport chaos by holidaying in Ireland. <laughs> the downside to holidaying in Ireland, and I'm hearing it more and more these days, is the goddamn price of everything. It's just so expensive. Everything has just gone up. I don't know how legitimate those increases are, but holidaying or entertaining or socialising, weekending away or a fortnight in Ireland, it's an expensive thing. But mobile homes, uh, doing very, very well. Uh, other stories in the papers today talk of uh, Ian Bailey, who's back in the news. Um, the Irish Daily Star uh, has an article where Ian Bailey is now denying, uh, he claims that the allegation that he dined with Sophie Toscan de Plantier uh, before her murder is a dirty, rotten stinking lie. He denies that he ever uh, met Sophie Toscan de Plantier and certainly never had dinner with her. Um, he spoke to the star apparently uh, for the first time since his emergence, that the Gardaí have taken a new statement from a man who claimed that the former journalist told him that he and his partner, his then partner, Jules Thomas, dined with Sophie Tuscan de Plantier at their home in Skull in West Cork. Now, the claim, which he says is a dirty, rotten, stinking lie, if it's true, would mean that Bailey knew the French film producer, contrary to his, his insistence that he never met her. These are not my words. These are the words from the uh, the Star this morning. They go into it in quite some detail in the papers today. Uh, another, an actual, an actual court appearance. That makes many of the papers, of course, is the former Manchester United footballer Ryan Giggs. It's alleged that he had a much uglier and more sinister side to his character behind closed doors. And that's a headline uh, that makes this morning's uh, Red Tops in quite some detail. He's accused of headbutting his ex-girlfriend and hitting her sister. In fact, the Independent this morning says Toxic Giggs headbutted his ex-partner as he revealed his ugly and sinister side. And he's on trial for all that in the UK this morning. Uh, there is another uh, story that's making the car courts today, and that is a 43-year-old mother of three has appeared before Court District Court charged with making nine false statements and five false reports to Gardaí relating to nine named individuals. Uh, and Detective Sergeant James Buckley gave evidence of the arrest, charge and caution of Sonia Egan of Colleens and County Cork. And that court report makes both the examiner and the echo today. Uh, very interesting stories with the way the world is changing and, and how we label things uh, and put names or even give different um, either male or female persona. Um, And the rape rape crisis experts uh, said that giving bikes female names and telling hire firm customers that they're riding Mary, because that's the name of the bike, riding mary is misogynistic and sexist the company involved has defended its move and compared it to the irish navy and Aer lingus giving female names to boats and planes because apparently boats and planes are female so bikes should or could well be too i i would have thought that if the bike didn't have a crossbar it would be female would it and if it did have a crossbar it would be male i don't know Maybe that's me being misogynistic. But I see also, and this was something that Rory picked up on uh, in the 9 o'clock sports news there, where the Irish Rugby Football Union uh, say they may ban transgender women from female contact rugby competitions. It's carrying out a review of its transgender policy. That would be, of course, uh, banning transgender women um, who would have transitioned from man to woman. Uh, to be banned from female contact rugby uh, competitions. And it's something else that actually made the telegraph uh, at the weekend that I saw where uh, many parents are coming out now say that they will not put their young girls into the girl guides because of the trans crisis facing girl guiding. Um, and I might come back to this a little later on this morning because they have opened and, and diversified now within the... I don't know what the story is with the Girl Guides in Ireland. Isn't there two? One is the Girl Guides of Ireland, the other is the Catholic Girl Guides of Ireland. So I don't know what their stand on it is, but more and more parents in the UK are coming out and saying, no, um, not that I have any issue, they would say, with people who are transitioning, but I just don't want my daughter, who's a small little girl, sharing all sorts of facilities with somebody who's got... Different genitalia. So that's an interesting one that makes uh, the Telegraph for the weekend. And then uh, snowflaking parenting uh, is, and I may well come back to this yesterday with the parents of today and the parents of yesterday, but apparently a Tory MP in the UK has come out and has uh, asked, has said that the name, there's a ride apparently, um, kind of like a tourist ride in the UK, it's called Dick Turpin. Uh, now a Tory MP has said, Anybody that's asking for the name Dick Turpin, the ride to be changed, is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life. Apparently there's a row ra- now has erupted over the Dick Turpin carriage rideway. You might remember Dick Turpin way back in the day. He was a highwayman. He used to rob people. He was a, an interesting character. Many books are written about him and movies as well. Apparently parents are complaining that the name Dick Turpin carriage ride is, is, um, is offensive. And they want it renamed the Richard Turpin carriage ride. Stop the world, I want to get off. And then there's an interesting story then that makes this morning's Times UK where it says that there is a new term now. It's called quiet quitting. It's where you don't leave your job, but you kind of do. But you're still there and you're still being paid. So it's employees who feel that their jobs are not meaningful are increasingly doing The bare minimum required in the workplace, an expert call it it a trend called quiet quitting. It alludes to staff doing as little as possible to achieve a better work-life balance. I knew work-life balance would get into it somewhere. Any anyway, of your thoughts on that are welcome. Amongst other things, uh, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. But of course, this morning, with a story that dominated uh, both online and all of the papers this morning, is the death and the passing of Olivia Newton-John, or as we used to call her back in the day, because she was one heck of a good-looking woman, Olivia Neutron-Bomb. She died at the age of 73 in her, at her ranch in Southern California. And everybody is paying tribute to the great Olivia Newton-John, including John Travolta. Uh, I love you so much, he says. We'll see you down the road. Your friend forever, Danny, your John. Now, Danny would be the character name from Greece and John his own name, obviously. But it was a 30-year battle with breast cancer, having been first diagnosed in 1992. And, of course, many people would have been hopelessly devoted to Olivia Newton-John.
2: Sandy! Danny! What are, you, what are you doing here? <laughs> I,
3: I thought you were going back to Australia.
2: We had to change of plan. I can't...
3: Well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is rocking and rolling and whatnot. Danny? (laughs) That's my name. Don't wear it out. What's the matter with you? I'd change anything because I've had such an amazingly interesting life and done so many things and never planned on any of them really except singing because that's all I could do.
1: Travolta and the great late great Olivia Newton John who died yesterday at the age of seventy three uh, it 's an incredible achievement actually you know to um, be so loved. You know, from one film, I suppose. I know there were others, but but Greece was the defining and still adored, as the papers put it, 1978 musical Greece that she featured in. And there was incredible chemistry. I was actually reading last night that originally they had to rewrite the screenplay or actually rewrite the script to suit her Australian accent. Originally, it was supposed to have been an American girl meets an American guy. And then she was just so brilliant at the screen test and at the rehearsals and what have you that they rewrote it to write her in as an Australian uh, you probably you probably know this it's just that I've never seen I've never seen Greece I've never seen Saturday Night Fever but apparently they rewrote it so that her Australian accent would make sense within Greece I've got to get around to watching it I really and truly do but anyway that's not your problem uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1992 when she was 43 and had a partial mastectomy at the time and reconstruction surgery and then remained free of cancer from 92 after the the surgery until until 2013 and then one or two years later she revealed that the disease was, was back uh, and actually had spread to her, her, her lower back as well. Uh, it's very sad she fought and fought and fought for 30 years and got on with her life actually and always had you know, just reading press reports of her down through the years. She was Always very, very positive. And the papers pick up on one aspect of it this morning because she was a real advocate for breast cancer and cancer awareness. And she called on her own native Australia to allow medicinal use of marijuana. She said, my dream is that in Australia soon it will be available to all cancer patients and people going through cancer that causes pain. For pain. Uh, so she didn't hold back in, in that regard. Tributes that Sandy dies at the age of, of 73. Um, and, the, you know, the music from, I was chatting with Columbus Oliphant about it, the music from Greece still is still played. You know, jocks still play it. Uh, different songs, particularly at weddings, apparently, very popular. The music of Greece and, indeed, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, at weddings. I've got to get around to watching those two movies. Anyway, line's open. Sad news this morning but line's open. You can text 0868104106. Can I just stay with s- some stuff weather related? A few different people sent me one of the most amazing things I've ever, you've seen it overseas all the time, almost like mini tornadoes and in fairness, Patrick O'Regan filmed out in ovens on Sunday. An unbelievable sight and we've shared some of the video on our Twitter and I guess on, on Facebook as well. But it's called a devil. It's called dust devil. Uh, some people call it Shigwe or fairy wind. But to explain it a bit more and just to describe it, um, it's like grass or hay just swirling around like a tornado. Patrick, good morning. Morning, Neil. I don't know if I'm doing it justice by describing it, but you you were at, you were there, right?
4: Yeah, um, I went for a walk out to field on Sunday. That was around half one, and I could see what looked like pieces of straw flying there about 100 feet in the air. And I never saw anything like it before, so I um, started to film it because no one would believe me if I was telling him about it. So, um... It kind of died down, and I couldn't see nothing for a bit, so in the start of the film, there's nothing
1: really you can see. Yeah, the odd, whisper, the odd old whisper, the odd whisper straw or hair, yeah. what have you, yeah.
4: But the then straw, and you see the straw is light, and I suppose freshly cut. and Light and not, dry, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it could get in underneath, and, and it'll just lift it up.
1: Then all of a sudden, it gets stronger and stronger, and into a kind of a, yeah. a, a circular pattern, and then climbs up into the sky.
4: Yes, but that was, it was out of travelling, I suppose, um, I'd say about 100 metres before I filmed it in another field.
1: And it's literally but just travelling and dancing from field to field.
4: Yes, and a neighbour told me that some of the straw landed in his place, which is probably about a half a kilometre
1: away. Was it windy where you were?
4: No. When I was filming, it was dead calm. there was no wind, and it passed near me. And I still felt no wind.
1: Now, at one stage, it's quite large and and almost yes. like angry. I don't know. Would you describe it as angry? Well, I
4: wouldn't say angry. I think it just um, it just got the straw at a right angle or something, and just was they able to pick it up.
1: But at one stage, it was, it stage you win, was coming win. directly at you. Did you did you think that oh, I better get out of here?
4: Um, yes, I said. Will I take a step back and? I was kind of waiting for the wind to kind of pick up around me, but nothing happened.
1: So how high? 100 feet anyway? Um, some of the straw was
4: well over 100 feet. Like It was like a yellow cloud passing with all bits of straw inside in it.
1: And what do we uh, know about a- this phenomenon? I mean, anybody, any folklore regarding it? I mean, a fairy uh, dance, somebody said? No, I don't know much about
4: it. First time I've ever seen, but it seems to be quite um, common, I'd say, because it's, uh, the Irish called this. The, um, the fairy wind is what it's called in Ireland.
1: So you had heard of that as the. I fairy never wind. heard
4: of it until I put up the video. Until people started commenting and calling you saying it was a fairy wind.
1: It's the kind of thing you'd see in, in 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 America, isn't it? Or the likes of Kansas.
4: Yes, I'd say a lot of dry countries where you would have a lot of dust. But um, I'd like to, like I said, the straw was so light; it was very easy for it to pick it up.
1: And blow it. And in a circular motion, just like mm. a tornado. Um, mm. They call it, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, she, she, Sheena Gueha, As in fairy I wind? the right pronunciation, I think that's they right. They say yeah. sometimes it's thought that the wind is uh, is proof that the fairies are helping with the farm labour. Yes. yes. Or, or maybe playing or dancing.
4: Yes. I think the correct thing is it's, it's um, uh, too hot air and a cold air. Me, uh, make meeting and
1: creating the swirl wind in it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. They were saying just looking at Irish history online. Sometimes it's thought that the wind was evidence that the fairies were helping with the farm labour. At other times, the wind was thought to be the source of sudden illness. Uh, don't know in, in what way. But yes, I was reading that what, I, did uh, that. what does that mean? Don't know.
4: I, I, I suppose Largo people didn't understand what it was, and they um. They had all different meanings
1: for if it. If they saw it, they said, oh, my God, somebody's going to be very yeah. sick or someone's going to die or someone's unwell. They
4: w- didn't know whether it was good or evil, it's, uh,
1: yeah. It said, Yeah, yeah. It said the wind could even rip the roof off a poor family's house and let the fairy host in. That's, I read that,
4: here. Yeah. I was reading that online on Sunday evening.
1: Others What's said that? that it was uh, an area where fairy treasure was buried to keep people away. Did you th- think of getting a spade or maybe having no. a dig in that field
4: no um, like I said like I travelled it was uh, travelling about 100 metres before I filmed it and then I came into the next field but I was not in the next field for it to pick up so i say just passed on then, and uh, where I went after that I don't know yeah it's I, amazing I just dropped to win my, the wind the pressure when I dropped it uh, yeah, it
1: yeah. Blew itself out. you were in the right place at the right time all people to go and have a look at it because it's incredible to watch it isn't it it must have been even better to be there
4: Well, the last minute is incredible. Like, it's very... It's unbelievable to just see the straw being picked up off the ground and just risen into the air. Like a funnel. There were
1: quite big clumps of straw. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like a funnel up into the sky. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, listen, glad that you... Glad that you got to capture it. Thanks for coming on the air. Appreciate no it. No
4: problem. Thanks very much. Here's my man. Enjoy Take
1: care. The fine Absolutely. Enjoy the fine weather. Fair play to you. Take care, Patrick. Thanks. Somebody Thanks. Somebody else that was enjoying the fine weather recently was Mihal Martin, who went out to Skellig Michael. Now, I'm not quite sure when. I guess it must have been some stage over the weekend. And up on his Twitter page, he had all sorts of lovely photographs of himself going out on the boat. He climbed up to the top of Skellig as He was at the Beehive huts funnily enough a few of the people that were with them had had yellow flak jackets on them I don't know how they got the yellow flak jackets unless tourists now get flak jackets when they go out there but anyway I thought it was very funny because um, I was looking at uh, his Twitter page this morning and the the response uh, to his trip to Skellig was just now some of it was Nasty and unkind and unfair but politicians will get that all the time but some of the texts were just priceless Um, I mean there's just a selection of them there where Micheál Martin went out to the beehive huts and where the monks used to live on Skellig Michael and climbed up to the top one character says stay there (laughs) somebody else said for the love of God will you ever take off the shirt and trousers for once He's an open neck shirt and trousers on. Um, Oh, I see more social housing found on Skellig. And lots of people saying, any chance you might just stay there? Loads of those. Uh, Another one says, um, why did you need to bring a camera crew with you? I don't know that he did, actually. Maybe somebody might have been with him. But the things that politicians have to put up with. um, Prospecting for potential land development? Good man. Um, One or two more here that make it. Uh, is that you and Dara launching Fianna Fáil's next housing policy? So these houses are nearly finished and ready to be forever homes as in <laughs> the beehive butts. it's not funny I know when you think of people looking for a home but in the context of what people say but I really love the ones stay there for the
5: love of God will you ever take off the shirt and trousers for once This is the Neil Prenderville Show
1: Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106, gorks Red FM. Uh, Yeah, that's the tweet on Micheál Martin's uh, own Twitter page. It's very funny, actually, (laughs) the way politicians get all sorts of grief from all sorts of people. But the tweet of the day for me, actually, is uh, an Irish... There's a guy called Derek uh, up on Twitter, and he says, An Irish language driving school called Chumon, Chumon Eileen. (laughs) I think it's fantastic I mean think about it actually I have to say well done congratulations to Claire of this parish who passed her driving test first time yesterday how do it feel girl
6: it feels good it feels very good eventful or
1: uneventful Um, please say eventful
6: I suppose it's eventful for anyone it is like a rite of passage and you know there's the nerves there like and you just never know you can you can practice all you want but you just never know how it's going to turn out are you nervous? I I was. You know you're always nervous, like, but I felt prepared at the same time. But, any mistakes? Um, Anything,
1: any little X's in the little
6: book? I got a small little couple of X's. Um, I got one for, I could have been a bit more observant traversing around my corner. <laughs> and um, I got one (laughs) it's typical I was coming back into the driveway of the test centre and I was like oh I'm here now I'm home and didn't the car do a bit of a a chug 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 you know kind of along the way so a little X for that as well Is there a
1: male or female tester?
6: Female tester
1: Uh, Total silence apart from instructions any bit of a chat no?
6: I kind of tried to do a bit of a a weather chat at the start and there wasn't (laughs) really much of it happening she said okay yeah and we'll just pop the boot of the bonnet now I don't think she wanted to have no engagement whatsoever. <laughs> Not much. Very no. professional. Very then. professional. Uh back
1: into the test centre then? Yeah.
6: So they don't tell you your results. Like I, I kind of expected to park up the car and that she'd tell me, but she said um OK, we'll just go back into the office now and then I'll tell you your results. So, God, you're on 10 and you're worrying. Yes, but yeah. she said, congratulations, yeah, you passed the test. She told me my few little X's, my few little marks and whatnot. And I got my certificate of competency then.
1: And then outside <laughs> the door, a big yahoo and a big scream, is
6: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was there. She had um, she had brought me there in the carriage, you know, so a uh, big well, scream and a, a like celebratory get, coffee.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's like getting a great leaving cert result, isn't it? Or, you know, uh, doing well in college degrees or or getting your masters or yeah. whatever they are yeah, a promotion it's a its a real life event isn't it
6: it is because I feel like it's something that god I don't know what percentage of people drive like especially in a country like Ireland like know where we don't really have the, the public transport infrastructure yet, there anyway, yeah. it's a real rate of passage yeah, for yeah. people now I was on the later side of getting it but do you know it, like I think you have, you have to do things in your own time as well you have to make sure well, you're I have ready I say
1: in fairness to you because when, when you joined this team I remember t- chatting with the time saying you need to do your driving tests. You need to be able to drive because yeah. it's a very important part of the job. Yeah. And in fairness to you, you did. You got stuck in. You did all your lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't have to be asked twice. And here you are now and uh, you're going to be you know, very much free and... Able to do your own thing because yeah. you're not going to be relying on buses or lifts or taxis.
6: And like I would regard myself as being quite independent but like I think this just opens a whole new yeah. independence as well and it's great. You can just pop in the car and do whatever you want. Now
1: you got to buy a car, right?
6: <laughs> yeah, so we were having that discussion last night and um, my dad is just like, you know he understands that I I do need to get a car but at the same time he was like you'd nearly be crazy buying a car at the moment like there's such high demand for second hand cars in the first place and you know there's one thing buying the car but then you're getting the tax the insurance the NCT you know so what's the plan the plan is to kind of set out a little budget, see what's within my range, see what kind of alleyways I can go down, yeah. have a look, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to rush into that. I think that's a big decision to make yeah. and you've yeah. got to make sure you get yeah, the right Yeah, a lot thing. of people
1: start by just being a name driver on your folks' policy. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and just yeah. go, go there and, you know, uh, just take their car. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I'll tell them you said and, that now, Neil. it
1: again, and again, and again, and again. And, <laughs> and then
6: I don't come home. That's <laughs> right.
1: And then they just get used to it not being their car anymore. <laughs> so good luck with that, all right? Thank you. Well done. Congratulations. Just ahead of our calls, just staying with driving tests and passing a driving test. Uh, this is Bernard Casey doing his driving test, right? Top of this junction now. Would like you like to take a left? I suppose you're busy. You are. Geez, there's a big backlog of
7: all these tests, aren't there? Right, quiet. Oh, I'm not supposed to talk to you at all. Sorry. Right. You can follow the road to the left here, please. Left is it? Yeah. Quite a very busy junction. Okay, now I'd like you to perform a hill start. Oh, s**t. Sorry. Uh, sorry, two seconds now. You alright? <laughs> alright. There's the car coming. I'll just leave that come out first, okay? Oh <laughs> So sorry about that. What do you mark down there? Ah oh, geez, like should that was his fault he was probably, he was feeding like. Ah oh, come on, like, don't, don't be like that, no, come see so what you do, see so you do right? Just pull in here please, thanks. Okay, I would like you to return to the test center. Oh, don't bring me back to the center. Like, I need my full license. Do not get aggressive with me. Return to the test center right now. You have to follow the rules, okay? God's sake! follow only you follow the rules when I came to your wife. Excuse me? You checked into Pat Foxes last Thursday night with a woman by the name of Kitty the Step, huh? She hasn't done dance classes since, cause since Covid began, so... You are hardly learning to see a above in the room, is <laughs> her? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I know, as you are, eh? <laughs> Aren't you your, uh, you're Sharon Buckley's brother, aren't you? That's right, eh. Yeah. You used to be a carpenter during the boom. Yeah, uh, good to know you got a new career, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I won't say anything to anyone about that, you know. Uh, do you still want me to return to the test centre? No, no, we'll continue the test. Just uh, take a left up here. Thanks. Ah, uh, sound, thanks.
5: Yeah.
7: Buckley, you're a ball. Bye. <laughs>
5: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 Red FM.
1: Just back to the passing of Olivia Newton. John Kay, good morning.
8: Uh, hi Neil, how are you? You're so good to hold
1: <laughs> as long as you did. Hopelessly <laughs> devoted to Olivia Newton-John oh and Greece, yeah?
8: Fantastic. I'll tell you, my daughter played the lead in that in public school in a train Order there um, about three years ago. She would have played and- Sandy then, is it? Sandy, that's right, and um, um, uh, Patrick Barry then played. Um, uh, um, oh God, my, my mind has gone bl- blank. But um, it was fantastic, you know, the whole school. You played Danny, I suppose. It. it was
1: Danny and Sandy, that's right, and, Danny, and that's coming couldn't... from me. I've never seen the film now, but did you go and yeah. see it when it was released in the seventies?
8: Yeah, it's, it's just fantastic, you know. It's just fantastic. Um, just yeah. me, yeah. just, uh, she, she was just fantastic in it and all the staff got behind it. But they meet up every couple of months and they have a Greece uh, reunion. And anytime she's out at nighttime there, um, if there's karaoke, she'd go and she'd sing hopelessly devoted, you know. And it was it's, it's just so funny. And last night I was going to bed and I just went in to say goodnight to her. And um, uh, she said, Ma'am, you'll never guess who died. I thought it was somebody local, you know. Yeah. And I said, Who? And she said, Oh, my God. She was really taken back by it, you know. Oh,
1: I heard she but was very was upset just, with the news, yeah.
8: But it was just such a great show that was put on there by the school, you know, and yeah. John Daly and Cove was fantastic as yeah. well. He was involved um, helping them out and everything. And what do you, you know, remember
1: of seeing the film yourself though?
8: I remember going, my God, how many years ago was that? I remember going to see that. Yeah. Oh God. Forty four years ago yeah and like she was such a good looking woman wasn't she where did you see
1: it where did you go and see it I saw
8: it in y'all in um, the cinema here in y'all in um, the Regal it's just there years and years ago now you know but like it's funny anytime she goes anywhere she goes up and sings so it was just such a great show and the songs were fantastic and all all the teenagers in it they they just came out their talents came out fantastic you know but um, it was great but that's what she she said last night Mamie will never guess who died um, least yeah, saw
1: it. that show she says I saw the show in y'all the one you're talking about she said it was a phenomenal production they put on there
8: it was it was oh, and you you know, you know they, they 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 were just fantastic there and um, they um you know they helped out all the teachers and i actually went to went to, on boat nights you know but um it was it was just before the pandemic but they meet up every 6 months there and they have a reunion and does it feel all the staff,
1: yeah whatever you said that but does it feel like 44 years ago since Greece was released
8: she it doesn't she never aged did she newton no you know? she, she
1: did not you're right
8: and you know they they presented the jacket to her there a couple of months ago and um, the original jacket that she wore you know yeah yeah and um yeah. they actually presented that to her you know and she was so emotional that do day, you remember
1: you know? who this, you went with in 1970 i went with
8: my friend yeah julianne julianne rock there the two of us just hang around together and uh, we just went to see it and oh it was just fantastic like you how know, many that times that was a big treat that time you how know
1: how many times did you go
8: Twice we went to see it. Twice we went to see it. At that time, we were lucky to be left out by our parents. <laughs> <laughs> Things have changed now, haven't they? What about Saturday
1: Night Fever? I know it wasn't Olivia yeah, and John. Yeah, that it was another John, one we yeah. went
8: to see. Were, yeah, they, they were, were they the
1: same year or close enough to each other? Were they? I,
8: I'd say they were close enough. Like I'd say they were close enough. definitely, you know. But um, I'm yeah, going to have a look
1: just... at it. I'd say when I look at something like Greece, it would be—it'd be much simpler times watching. A film like that, yeah. Saturday Night yeah, Fever was seventy-seven, yeah. and Greece was seventy-eight. Simpler times.
8: Well, wasn't it? But the show was very good. Now I must say the show they put on there and you all. Then, then the pandemic kiss. But they made they. they they meet up every couple of months there and you'd hear them singing down the back of our house, you know, and they'd be singing like know." <laughs> uh, no, no. It must but,
1: be upsetting um, for your daughter who played Olivia Newton-John's
8: yeah, part. Yeah, and yeah, and we, we had um, my husband's aunt, is, you know, who's um, a sister in South Preston, let's like say um, hello to her there, you know, and you know the whole show, and it's she's so innocent to Olivia Newton-John in the show, you know, and then yeah. she comes out dressed in all leathers and everything and a cigarette hanging out her mouth and uh, <laughs> Sister Patricia turned around to me. Oh my God, she said, Did the change her clothes? <laughs> and I said, did, did <laughs> <laughs> You could say that. I said, That must have been <laughs> a shock. <laughs> And <laughs> she the cigarette and high shoes and the leather pants and the hair you didn't and everything, you did You recognize your own daughter, I say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, she said did all to change her clothes. I said, She did, you could say that, uh, to a fair play. To her. No, right. it was a brilliant show, like all it was right. just brilliant. And the, the you know, all the teachers and you know the management, everything everyone got behind it you know. Are you all and, are y'all uh,
1: set for um Iron
8: Man? Oh, we're set for the Iron Man now, Neil. We have loads of bikes for her they Especially one on Windmill Hill that we put up there last week. It's about a hundred years old, but <laughs> and a sign on it. But uh, yeah, we're all set for the town's looking great, you
1: know. If people only had somewhere to lay their head.
8: Well, it, we're not too bad actually. They're all quite. Um, everybody is after being accommodated at the moment now. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is very good news. So we're happy with that. And um, do you know, a lot of people have opened their doors. My son is coming back home there for two or three nights, and he's given his house up. So all right. You know, so there's a lot of that going on. Okay. Neil, you know? It's going
1: to be hot for Iron Man uh, though.
8: Very, very hot, hot. <laughs> very hot. And the water's like glass at the moment, so we hope now it'll stay that way. You know.
1: All right. Well, and my uh, Kevin, sent me some around. beautiful video footage of the beach from yesterday. I think it was around about half past five, and it was still oh thronged God, with people beautiful. walking and enjoying themselves.
8: Uh, everyone, uh, we were in swimming now this morning ourselves, fine and early, but is half it cold? Six, and it's beautiful. Is it's warm water, it warm water, cold water? Warm, 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 warm. And last night, now we went in again about half a nine or ten because it's so hot, you know. People always but say
1: it, that to me the water's warm. When I go into it, then it's freezing. I don't
8: <laughs> my daughter was with me and she wouldn't even go for a pad she put on my dry robe while I was in swimming <laughs> <laughs> alright mind God. yourself look after Maybe yourself we might see you over the weekend you never know girl <laughs> I might see you over the next Bye. couple of days
1: I'm due down I'm in a state of shock that you never saw Grease or Saturday Night Fever no I didn't I don't think that you'd find many people of your age that didn't see any of them it's not as if you were living under a rock in the 70s or the 80s everybody loved both those films they were the highlight of our lives my children are 31 and 28 now and they loved Greece they used to think they were Sandy and Danny Sandy and Danny singing and acting out scenes uh, from Greece for years RIP to Olivia no never I never did but that's no big deal I mean there are many people I haven't seen lots of different I mean I know still know people who haven't watched Breaking Bad none of it I know others who've never seen The Sopranos so no I never did um I did I did see some super movies in and around that period of time, like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, for instance, was in and around the same four or five-year period, maybe even two or three-year period of, of Grease and Saturday Night Fever, and so was Jaws. And I remember, when was Jaws? 75? Maybe 76? Possibly 77? Can't remember now. And we're going to see that seven times in the capital. I mean, seven times. 1975, time after time after time. I think I went to see The Cuckoo's Nest something like five times. I wonder were other people like that. Text 0868104106, where there was a particular movie that you or film that you just went back to, or pictures, we used to call them the pictures, that you would go back to time after time after time jaws over and over again. I think there was one week when I probably went to a three, maybe four days in a row. Anyway, text 0868-104-106. Back after the break.
5: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 818 Cork's Red
1: FM. Okay, just staying with the phone lines. Anne-Marie, good morning.
0: Hi Neil, how with are you? The,
1: with the passing uh, away of Olivia Newton-John, it, for many people it's like a part of their youth passing away. You know, their rite of passage. their more, you know, the, the most exciting time of their life. Would you agree?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now I didn't get to go to the cinema to watch it um, because I
1: was eleven. <laughs> so. <laughs> but why, why, why didn't you go with your parents, or go with the? A... I wasn't allowed to go. It was considered inappropriate for an eleven-year-old. I'm sure that would Greece have been PG, wouldn't it? Would it have been PG?
0: Yeah, but there was things about contraception and stuff, in it?
1: <laughs> Who told you all that? Who told you you couldn't go? My mother. And do you remember why, why she said it?
0: Oh, that's why. It was inappropriate.
1: Did she say those By words? For an
0: 11-year-old. Oh, God, yeah.
1: <laughs> and were your pals going?
0: Um, a couple of them managed to sneak in, because <laughs> I think it was actually over 16.
1: Oh, was
5: or it? something
0: like that. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, and a couple of them managed to sneak in but then a few years later when I was in the first year um, in the earthlines, there was a talent competition and a group of us got together and we practiced and practiced like crazy, made up our own dance to the, the, you're the one that I want (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) the girls with short hair were were uh, Danny and the rest of us then were Olivia Newton-John
1: Right? was this with the nuns? yeah yeah. Somebody said earlier on that part of the film, you Olivia Newton-John has uh, tight black leather trousers on, is it? And smoking a fag.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's part of the movie. But in this, we had kind of like floaty dresses. You know, the type of ones that they wore. There was no way we yeah. went in the leather.
1: Yeah. Not with the nuns. How how'd you even get away with floaty dresses with the nuns?
0: Well, they came to our knees, so we were okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So we did. And we actually won. We won the competition.
1: All right. Okay. You won the competition. We won
0: the talent competition. Yeah. I got a big trophy.
1: And how long ago was that? Was that in the 80s?
0: That would have been, um, okay, so that would have been, I think, about 82, around then.
1: And when did you get to see the film then?
0: Oh, God, a a, a couple of years after that, I'd say. But I still have the LP.
1: The vinyl, do you still play it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Of course, I do. Yeah.
1: And do you, looking back on it now, it, of course, it wasn't, by comparison to what people watch now, it just wasn't inappropriate, was it?
0: Ah, uh, no, of course it wasn't. It was all It harmless. was very innocent. Yeah. It was very innocent.
1: Those very, were the days. very innocent. Those were the days. I
0: mean, my own kids have seen it. My own girls have seen it, like, years ago. <laughs> and they're 17 and 20 now. But, I mean, they saw it years ago.
1: You know, it's still as popular as ever musically. People are still requesting songs this morning, right now, as they speak. I think I'll play um, You're the One That I Want, and you can sing along to it a little later. How about that?
9: <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, well, I'll be singing at home.
1: <laughs> have you got the trophy at home?
0: No, that had to be handed back the following year for the talent competition the year after. <laughs> all
1: right, okay. Well, I hope you. It the... went
0: around all our houses for a year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well done, girl. Oh, well yeah. done. Well done. Well done. Oh, yeah cheers thanks for taking the call Embery. take care, care. thanks a million 0868104106 I think everybody probably would be in agreement that you're the one that I want is the one to play uh, as we um, come out at the 10 o'clock news this morning and the passing of Olivia Newton-John I mean it dominated all of the news last night certainly it did I mean even Sky led with it uh, such was the love and the fondness for the late great Olivia Newton-John I'm Rory
0: And I'm Valerie And you can join us for the very best In local, national and international sports Every weekend on the Big Red Bench
10: That's the Big Red Bench Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 On
5: Cork's Red FM Text the Neil Brinderville Show now, 086-8104-106, Red FM.
1: Stay with this a little while longer, to be quite honest with you, lots of texts coming in, text movies that you've seen many, many times, text 086-8104-106, and just ahead of some of those, Elaine, good morning. Good morning, Neil, how are you? You went to, I'm well, how are you, enjoying the sunshine, I hope, you went to see Greece many times, how many?
11: Nine times, when I was (laughs) eleven. God. oh our my session, god obsession at the time yeah
1: and no. you got into it at 11 when others weren't allowed by their parents to go at we, well, it
11: was. I think it was over 12 at the time 12 and we looked older for a
1: <laughs> that would be parental no, we guidance no no problem
11: getting in no yeah. we had no problem getting in and yeah I suppose there's an adult team to it in the way but sure at that time it was the dancing and the singing and all the rest of the what was the That's adult
1: team apart from falling in love and smoking fags well
11: uh, if you listen to some of the lyrics as an adult theme, there it's only later years you, you'd hear it, I suppose. But
1: when you compare then, it to just... the lyrics of today, oh,
11: exactly.
1: though, yeah, 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 oh, my God. I still
11: love it. I could still throw it on there once a year, you know, have a look at it. My kids even bought me the DVD a few years ago, get away. And um, just loved Greece, yeah. And afterwards, we started dressing like girls in Greece, you know, we'd have the gypsy skirts. My mother used to make gypsy skirts for us. We'd planned the anchors, and the little dolly shoes. And <laughs> we loved it. It was just, it was a bit of escapism, I suppose. You and know?
1: N- so nine times, like nine
11: uh, times, w- I'd say all in all, I'm after seeing it probably thirty or forty times, at the stage more even.
1: And when you went yeah. to the pav to see it nine times, was it day after day, or was it over the period of it weeks?
11: It was kind of over the period. And I remember then it moved. I think to the capital after we did a run in the pav. I remember the queues we used to go down from the path all the way down like or it could go around the corner by St Peter's and
1: Paul's yeah. or it could
11: go down by where Waterstone do used to be Winston's I think at the time all
1: the way down Patrick and
11: Street yeah 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 it was just it was fabulous like,
1: and you go with just, the same bunch of pals every time ah uh,
11: yeah my cousins I give them a shout out there Carla, Monica and a few of our friends we used to just we were living in Evergreen Street near, so I was just walk down the road.
1: Like, isn't it amazing? Oh. And nine times, yeah, well. and in the ninth time, was as good as the first. It was.
11: I mean, we kind of had a crush on John Travolta then as well. The crush, on so. John,
1: yeah. <laughs> we all had a crush on Olivia Newton-John back in the day because she was gorgeous. Yeah. Still, yeah. still yeah. right yeah. up to the end, gorgeous. Never lost her looks.
11: No, she didn't, and she was a fantastic singer. Yeah. No, would it you, was just we loved it.
1: Would you make a day out of it then back in the in the 70s going to oh, Greece? Would you, you, go
11: would, for... you would. You would stop off, get your sweets in Douglas Street, in the corner shop. There's a sweet shop there. Yeah. And we, we used to stock up in the sweets. Go away. And then we might stop off as well. There was Joyce's down in George's Quay at the time. We could stop off there too. What did they do? And was that another sweet away. shop? Was Another that... sweet shop.
1: Because <laughs> there was nowhere to go for a burger or a pizza, was there? No.
11: No, we didn't. We just came straight home then. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I was
11: yeah. there we were happy out.
1: Yeah, there was certainly no pizza, but there was there was one or two burger joints right there I think there might have
11: been Burgerland that time was it's starting off Mandy's, Mandy's was the one I oh, think. Oh god, Elaine, yeah. I don't
1: know, was it nineteen seventy eight were they? No.
11: I don't know, I can't remember. Yeah. No, because I remember we'd go in, we were probably told you can go go straight in and come straight home like you know.
1: Woolworths but, um, would have been a good spot for the sweets then.
11: Oh my my my, my my mother's cousin used to work in Woodwork. Used to gonna get the.
1: <laughs> would she give you a few sweets?
11: <laughs> oh, and she would, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but it was just listening this morning about. Um, I just texted him because nine times, yeah, it's actually oh. my kind of claim to fame. I went to see Greece nine times. Is that
1: right? <laughs> well, you beat me. I, I think, I think I saw Jaws seven times. So okay. you beat me by two. I wonder if there's anyone nine, could beat eight. either of you or me. Me with Jaws seven, and you with Greece nine. <laughs> I don't what, know, Neil. what film it might be? Yeah, so it
11: was happy day, I suppose. Well, fair it's play
1: you. all fair fun. Play. Yeah. yeah, fair play to you. Any any plans for the rest of the summer? Anything doing?
11: Um, might be heading off the odd weekend, but other than that, no, nothing. We're finished now. It's you know, school is. Starting up while I work in UCC, so that's, I'm getting busy now. So you're in UCC, yeah, so you're um,
1: getting busy again yeah. for this n- yeah. coming season. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. some wonderful family passes for different tourist attractions. Any interest? Oh, in, yeah, would you be interested yeah. in one of them?
11: I would, of course. Um,
1: Take your tribe away, maybe sometime between now and the end of August.
11: Well, my tribe are all up, but I've a couple of nieces that's, that's, that's the tribe I'm talking about nieces yeah, and nephews yeah, 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 yeah I've
1: got I've got a lot of different ones I, I won't plough through them now but if there's anything that springs to mind I'll put you back onto the lads and they'll sort you out with a pass alright
11: thanks very much Neil. you're welcome okay. Elaine
1: thanks for the memory uh, thank the you <laughs> morning I must have watched Greece a hundred times we had it taped off the telly and I nearly had the tape worn out I watched it so much Absolutely loved it. And all the songs were brilliant. R.I.P. Olivia. Thanks for that. Uh, I hope you replaced it with maybe the DVD version. You can just watch it over and over and over again. Perfect clarity. I went to see Mamma Mia nine times in the cinema. It is just my all-time favorite film. Always came out feeling so happy. Isn't it amazing, With the without fear of wanting to insult anybody, at least like these kind of films, for me to describe them as cheesy? I mean they're romantic really and I suppose people are romantics at heart when you think of Saturday night fever or Grease, or indeed I'd put Mamma Mia in the same bracket very much cheese on toast um, for me sitting down watching Mamma Mia would be like having teeth pulled without an anaesthetic while at the same time having a, a colonoscopy <laughs> Ah, so feel good, isn't it? John Travolta, Libby Newton-John, you're the one that I want from Greece. Uh, lots of other business to do between now and midday, but that's nice. Keep those texts coming, particularly on films that you saw many, many times. Talking about a good feel-good factor, the latest edition of RSVP magazine is out this week, and I see wonderful front-page photograph of the great Simon Zebo and his wife Elvira Fernandez, and they're beautiful. I didn't know Simon Zebo in it. A... And his wife had, had four children. Beautiful, beautiful children. It's a lovely photo. It's not necessarily a photo shoot of Simon Zebo and the family, but it's pictures of their wedding. They got married down in, I think the reception was down in, in Sheen Falls. A small, intimate wedding by all accounts, but all the beautiful photographs of the wedding making this uh, edition of RSVP. So that's lovely. Congratulations to him, his wife, and all of the family. Beautiful, beautiful, big beaming smiles on the front page. Of corks, uh, Simon Zebo. Text 0868 106 back after the break.
5: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818 104 106.
1: Red FM. Ah, yes, all so very well. he be talking about Greece or Mihail Martin out in the Skelligs and people saying, stay there. Would you ever <laughs> stay there? Somebody says, what about, you know. Other things that we should be talking about, somebody says, what about all the missed hospital appointments you should be talking about because of all of this BS over the last few years, my partner and others, no help, missed diagnoses left, right and center, people left to die because of the lies and all the media paid propaganda and the vaccine injuries, why aren't you talking about that? Happy to talk about all of the above, not a bother. Let me just give you an example of it by email. I to your podcast yesterday, just a note on hospital no-shows. This is from a few days ago. My gra- that, there's an awful lot of people who don't show up for hospital appointments and they screw it up for everybody else. In the UK now, Rishi Sunak is saying that if he's uh, elected as um, leader of the Conservative Party, he's therefore Prime Minister, that he would charge people a tenner if they don't show up for a hospital appointment. Uh, my grandfather received a hospital appointment letter on three separate occasions for dates that are already passed before he even got the letter. There were different appointments from three different departments, all of them late. I myself received a phone call a few months back because I didn't turn up for an appointment. I was never told about the appointment. I received no letter for the appointment, no email, no phone call. I was then told I'd be taken off the list due to not turning up. Well, I can tell you, I threatened legal action as the error was on their part and not mine. And I'd been waiting approximately five years to see the doctor. They did eventually agree to offer me another appointment, but refused to acknowledge any fault on their side. That's incredible, isn't it? It's just incredible. Back to the email. As with everything else in this country, I would feel pretty confident saying that the number of no-shows being publicized are not accurate. I don't dispute There is a problem with people not turning up, but there is definitely far more to it. It's better for the blame to be put on the public than for the government and the HSE to accept responsibility. You're right, Jackie, in that regard. Um, You know, the, 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 the figures are vague and muddied in the sense that you got a phone call saying that you didn't turn up for an appointment, even though you never got a letter, email or phone call telling that you had the appointment in the first place. From yesterday's program with regards to dog attacks, uh, and there are many actually, really and truly, uh, whether it's a greyhound, as was the attack yesterday that that killed a little Bichon Frige, a greyhound or a lurcher, both of them are trained to have high prey drive in order for them to run and win races. They are trained to chase something small and fluffy. The industry and the people who train dogs like this are to blame because greyhounds themselves can be very gentle dogs by nature. They are trained differently. Um, And there are many then talking about yesterday's programme. Pit bulls walking around the main street in Mitchellstown, no muzzle on. Uh, Any other country and you'd get a heavy fine for it. Unfortunately, Shiona says people are the problem. They'd sell their own, let alone a poor dog. People are wrong. Also, breeders need to be vetted and rescue centres should be more vigilant. It's a sad world. Uh, Another person says, a dog that kills must be put down immediately. Uh, The same thing happened to my dog. She's a medium-sized lab collie. I was just leaving my house and a female lab did the same. Grabbed her around the neck. The dog was also from a rescue home in someone's care. The dog was off the lead. Thankfully, another woman came along and we separated them. My sister's Yorkie was attacked yesterday by an unleashed Staffy, Caught him by the neck. I had to run him to the emergency vet. He got stitches in the neck. Uh, one or two more on this. Uh, I agree with Vincent from the uh, uh, ISPCA. CSPCA. Uh, once a dog bites, then that dog should be put to sleep. We're way behind Europe. We should have more. We should have these schools for restricted breeds. I have a Staffy. He's the most docile and quiet dog I've ever known. Um, We had a neighbor, actually, another one here. I rescued a lurcher some months back. She was in a cruel condition. She was obviously discarded because she wasn't up to the job. But she is the sweetest, most gentle pet and is back to full health now. Just to let you know, there is a dog who is on the danger dog list, which roams around the estates in Blarney continuously. The dog warden has been contacted numerous times by different residents and nothing's been done. The dog is very dangerous and has approached children and small dogs who narrowly escaped. The dog warden's aware of this, but seems to do nothing about it. It's completely down to the owner, no matter what. You can never trust any breed of dog. No human knows what will trigger, trigger any dog to attack. I have a rescued greyhound and a rescued Jug, which is a Jack Russell pug, apparently. Anyway, it's small and fluffy. My greyhound is so relaxed, he's horizontal. He plays with Jug all of the time. I trust them with my life, but nevertheless, I would never put myself in a situation where they might attack. Well, you never know about the situation you're in because dogs just attack. You know, there's, there's not really any kind of warning sign, is it? As a postman, I can tell you that most dogs I see are not trained. At the end of the day, it's the owner's fault. Any dog can change in the blink of an eye. Don't be stupid saying, my dog wouldn't harm a fly. Also, don't bother telling the postman that the dog is harmless or he's all bark. These owners are just lazy and inconsiderate, and there 's many more like this um, and I come back to them throughout the course of the morning, but you remember we were talking yesterday about parenting. There was research out that was saying that uh, you know um, the parents of today are very different to the parents of yesteryear, and they 're much more lenient with their kids. Uh, they apparently studied five hundred parents across a number of generations and found that sixty percent of the older generation had much clearer stricter styles of parenting. The survey was done by Name Tag, My Name Tag Ireland. They make stickers and iron-on labels for name tags and what have you. And I was giving you some of the uh, examples of it yesterday where parents of today were somewhat critical of their own parents. Um, Three quarters said that they uh, now spend an awful lot more quality time with their children than their parents did with them. And they said that, um, you know, that they... Modern parents are more focused on spending time with their children and supporting them emotionally. And they say 80% of them said that they spend way more time, quality time with their children than their parents did with them. Uh, there's lots more like that. But, uh, you know, from tiger moms to helicopter parents. I thought it was a great topic of a conversation to take to the streets. So Seamus took to the streets of Cork yesterday to talk about and get the thoughts on generational parenting style, as in. How's has it changed down through the decades?
6: I mean, in my town, I was more strict, my, you know. We had rules and that. But, uh,
2: yeah, I think some of them are too easy going with them, you know. They just let leave them do what they want. Is that good or bad?
3: Well, it is bad. You have to tell them. Show them right from wrong. Wouldn't you? Can't even do what they want. You know. Yeah. I would say it's completely different. I don't know. I think we just had rules. You know what I mean? And you As never, we were young, yeah. you know, disobeyed. And pa- parents were definitely more lenient. Yeah. It makes show. them. It
7: makes them a lot more independent. A lot more self-assured. Yeah.
3: we, we were terrified we of everything. Uh, like terrified of teachers and priests and priests and, and, and guards. I mean, like at <laughs> one stage <laughs> we, we, uh, we lived in? We lived in. We lived were totally Street and we were told that if we ever put our put on a step in Shandon, you know, Shandon it yeah. was go straight to hell you know and like we believed I never got over the fear of it so then after after 45 years there was a man over the road from us his mother died and she was a Protestant and we went up to the funeral and that was my first time but thanks for the God I had overcome all those she didn't burst into fire but it took like a lifetime self you know, and as well as that I would never intimidate any of my grandchildren by saying you know stuff from the past that, yeah. you know and you know I always just say you have to think for yourself I think we want a good doing now as well because value system is everything
1: you know? I was
7: spoiled because I was the youngest and uh, yeah but I've known Cam and I have daughter and she's just wonderful she's brilliant she's you know, just well-balanced and perfect and, yeah. So Sam, would
12: sure. you have laid down the rules with her growing uh, up or? No, I suppose we were a little bit more
7: lenient. You know, we learned to be a bit more lenient from mm-hmm. our own parents. So I think it's better. It's definitely better. Mm-hmm. So less lenient, yeah, seems to be working. And,
3: uh, and another thing is when we were going on, I was in charge not a him. but a him and my other brother. If <laughs> one of them fell, I would get the cattle. <laughs> <laughs> and then another thing, we were we got up in the morning in the summer and we were told, go away and don't come back until six, six o'clock. o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so it's me. I swear to God, I don't know how we ate. I, that's the one thing.
10: Is that called helicopter parenting? <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> and they were great parents. But that, uh, yeah. that, that, was, that was what people did, like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you well, you could do it
12: back then.
4: Well, you could do it back then. That's what I'm saying, like, I mean, yeah. Yeah.
3: I would be horrified. We were down Lucas Gardens there about two weeks ago, and our grandson was with us. And, you know, there's a rock that they all love, all the kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, wow. He was missing for about, like, you know, about four minutes? When <laughs> it's it's my, my heart, just yeah. was hard, you yeah. know what I mean? We were just so afraid, uh, but you know what I mean? on and on, for yeah, yeah. 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 sure. I suppose be yeah, for sure, the and everything doesn't it? I feel like when I grew up there, I just, I mean, no one was really watching
11: the rules, so I had, I had parents who kind of just let us roam freely. So, so you were a were free spirit. <laughs> <laughs> we were freely roaming around the neighborhood, so, yeah. That's, that's my feeling. Is, that's my the memory. The most challenging is when it's uh, more helicopter- Like, they don't know what to expect. I think that gives kids a sense of uncertainty, but, like, they know what the rules are. Or they know that... So. But, so I don't know, I think it's all in my
9: perspective.
12: You were on about helicopter parenting. The
11: helicopter parenting, yeah. You hear about that more now. I'm not a
6: parent myself, so I, I, it's hard for me to speak. They also call it
11: snowplow parenting where we're from in Minnesota. where like You clear the path, everything out of the way uh, for them. I'm a granny and uh, my daughter, is just, he's only a year old, so I don't know. But uh, I'd imagine they're all working so hard outside the homes, They, I suppose they they're a little bit more lean than their kids in when they're at home. And is that a good or a bad thing? Um, I suppose it isn't the best, but uh, what, can, what can be done? You know, I think most parents are making their best effort. You know, that's all I would say anyway. I never see any parent that did any too bad a job. Anyway, it, you know, it's a tough job minding them. But good um, like that now, uh, the, the childcare is not great for for, for parents. Uh, but thanks be to God, now he has got a crèche eventually, but it, it, it takes a long time and you have to be uh, be aware that you, when you're having them, that you, you have to put down their names in the crèche as well if you want someone to mind them other than
12: grannies. Would you have been uh, ruled by the iron fist when you were growing up? By the, by the, oh
4: yeah, de- most definitely. But I think as a result of that we are slightly more lenient than our kids as a result of that. Um, I could be an exception, but,
12: yeah. Because I know, like, back in the day, we didn't know what ADHD was, we didn't know what autism was, or we didn't know much about mental health. Do you think we're kind of a bit more lenient nowadays because we know of those? I suppose so, yeah. I think it makes sense if, you know,
4: um, especially with things like ADHD and, you know, dyslexia and all
1: that, we are.
10: I think we're more
1: understanding, I think than we were in the past. Seamus Whelan from the Streets of Cork. I I found that very interesting. There was one girl there, I think she was from Minnesota, and she was talking about the Minnesota equivalent to helicopter parenting. It's a term called snowplow parenting, where you clear every path and every risk, and you assess everything in your child's life before the event might potentially happen, and you clear them out of the way. You know, helicopter parenting by another term. Uh, The research said that modern parents don't expect their children to help with household chores and 50% of them said they were way more relaxed about what their children eat and drink than their own parents were now that could be a worry if they're eating all the wrong foods they're way more relaxed about what their children eat modern parents focus on spending time with their children and supporting them emotionally now there are big changes between the different generations of parenting more pressures now with two parents working looking for creche facilities looking for play school way back in the day To be absolutely honest with you, many, many homes, the vast majority of them would not have had two parents working. One would have been in the home. And I have to say, without fear of contradiction, that by and large, by and large, the vast majority would have been mammy in the home. So parents now also feel as though they show more love and affection to their children than their parents did to them. Wow. And they say that they have more family activities now, the parents of today, than their own parents did with them. And they also feel that their children are more open and honest with them than they could ever have been with their own parents. I mean, it's astonishing research, I think, as to how things change. Um, and I want to chat with Michael Welch, actually, because he teaches parenting courses. and made a comment yesterday to us saying that he didn't know how to parent until he learned how to parent. I'm curious as to know how you can do that, how you can learn as in not on the job, I wonder. Michael, good morning. How are you? What does that actually mean? You didn't know how to parent until you learned how to parent. We kind of learn on the job, don't we?
12: Yeah, I suppose. Well, I suppose for me, I suppose it's learning how to parent yourself first, and then your children. I mean, you know, if you can, if, if you have a hand on parenting yourself, then that that will in turn kind of pass down to your children. Yeah, that's what I found.
1: Yeah, but how you did know? you learn? When you say you had to learn to parent,
12: well, I suppose I learned it, but I, I done, I suppose. My story goes back a bit, and um, what you call I, I suppose, I went looking to see what was out there, and I, I, went out and I found a course in UCC, and I decided to do it for my kids. And right.
1: Okay. So I your decided. children were born when you decided to do this. Yes. Sorry. Yes. My, and what motivated children, you to do it? Were you, mir- Were you, were you copying the things <laughs> that your parents did with you, or something, and you were wanting to change that?
12: No, what I was, I I was very, very badly bullied when I was between the ages of 5 and 10. And I suppose what I want is to empower my children for themselves. So not, not to be and minding them and, and wrapping them in, in cotton wool, but for them to be able to look after themselves and help themselves. Yeah. And I've seen a massive difference since I started doing the course for me because my, my, my oldest daughter has actually, I've seen the change in her and she's picked up on, on what I have done. Not because I'm telling her
1: what to do, because she sees it. You Very know, so responsible of you powerful. to do what you did to empower them in that regard. W- were you worried that what happened to you may, might happen to them, was it? Absolutely terrified, yes, that they would get bullied as well. Right. And
12: uh, I thought, I, I like when, I, when it happened to me, I, I was told that if, if I told my parents um, that I, I was being bullied, that the, the kids would kill my mother. And that stopped me then in my tracks from telling my parents. So it was
1: more than one individual, was it, Michael? Yes, yeah, there was about, there was four of them. How ten. long did it go on for? Was this primary? Um, five, yeah, five years. From the age of what, five to uh, the age of ten? Five to ten. Oh my God, yeah. your, your your formative years must have been a nightmare.
12: Yeah, I, I found out recently that um, I told my um, my mother that um, at the age of seven that um, I wanted to cut my wrist. And not be here anymore and um, so I suppose I, for that in I, I want my my children to be strong enough regardless what the, the bullies say or regardless what everyone says but they know that you know that they can go somewhere or they can look after you know help, go to a teacher or go to a parent not might be their parent but a parent and know that it, it's know, okay like you know? I know
1: I know do you mind so me just I dwelling on your own story a little bit longer, if you don't mind? What happened, not, not happened. What happened at the... So you never told anybody because of the threat that they would do... Um, they said that they would kill your parents, mother. Yeah. You, you, you took that seriously as a child, obviously. Um, yeah. I was the oldest, so right. I didn't know any. So I had my parents. So you, must have, you must have dreaded school, did you?
12: But I loved going to school, which I, I don't understand, but I never missed a day sick, um, my mother told me, because I was afraid if I stayed at home, that I would actually tell my mother what was happening. So I never, ever left and never let on that I didn't like school. But it was it was a very lonely place, and I was, so I was playing my own. Uh, in the, in the playground with a, a tire and um, just go around the place and um, because they told everyone in the school that I had disease and if anyone played with me that they would die from the disease as well so I was on my own
1: for Penny, Danny, but did a teacher not pick up on that a little 5, 6 year old playing with a tire surely they must have copped something was right wrong and the
12: principal of the school was telling all teachers that I'm an attention seeker and not to take any notice of me so poor, and the teacher thing. that that did that did try and help me. That's all. They, that's all they missed. But the, two, the teachers that did help me work were, were fantastic. Uh, uh, when when it, we did when things did decide to come out.
1: And in all, okay, I'll come to, And in all of those early years, was there no classmate that hung out with you or stood up for you? No, nothing. So it was, was it was things. it was it primarily isolation? Was it physical yeah. at any stage?
12: Isolation, mainly isolation and verbal abuse. There was at the start, um, physical areas, they was They was kicking me in my private area, and um, but I never told them. I was going to a doctor because of it, but I, I never told the doctor why, or I never,
1: I never told anybody. Oh my God! It was a horror for you, man. A small bit, yeah, but a small bit, you ju- and no classmate ever kind of said, no. "Look, that this has to stop," or stood up to them, or took your side. No, 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 I was on my own. How did uh, it I remember end? The, sorry, go
12: ahead, sorry, I'm interrupted. It, no, I just was saying, I, I met a teacher recently and she told me, uh, I, I had forgotten, I remember that um, we used to make Christmas cards in class and I made 14 Christmas cards and by the end of the day, all, all the 14 Christmas cards were back in my bag because no one wanted them. And um, so, uh, it, that was, it brought back a memory to an R.H. Who told you that memory, the teacher? Um, my, my teacher. Yeah, why, I joined with it. Why?
1: Why would they, Sorry. Yes. Why would they want to share a memory like that with you in later life?
12: I asked her. I asked her because I'm 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 doing this this journey now to help myself get stronger and help my my kids get stronger. So, so I, you I made, don't want any kind of okay. t- skeletons in
1: the closet. Okay. I want to know as much as I can. And did that teacher chat to you about the isolation and the bullying that yeah. you went through? Yeah. She was fantastic. It was hard that actually
12: rang my mother and went over the principal's head and rang my mother and told me. I told my mother about it. Wow. And then it changed in.
1: So you I'll come back to that in a moment if you don't mind. And thank you so much for sharing. Um no, you, uh, you in, in primary school made and fashioned and wrote and drew How many Christmas cards? Fourteen. Fourteen of them. And was that to give yeah. to classmates? Yeah. Okay. And then there were then everybody else did the same, did they? Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody shared out their Christmas cards. Yeah. And you did that with the lads in the class. Yeah. And what 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 did they do? They just unopened them and put
12: them back in my bag. And I had them all going home again that evening.
1: So every single child in the classroom yes. had been brainwashed by these bullies that that they shouldn't they have probably, the, Yeah, what? They were probably afraid, Neil, to be honest. Like,
12: you know, I don't blame them. Like, because, like, they were probably afraid that if they did something like that that they'd be in the same place as I am so you know they were probably afraid for themselves
1: how did it end?
12: my mother um, pulled me out of school eventually when no one was listening to her when she went down umpteen times and no one was listening so my mother said "This is enough of this and she actually said that one night I, I was banging my head against the wall inside in the bedroom and and she said, "That's it. I've been offered this, and um, I'm taking him." So she pulled me out and took me to a different school. Were you relieved? I was. Uh, I was terrified because I was afraid the same thing would happen again. Did it? No. No, it didn't. But uh, the effects linger to this day. Like I'm fucked, you know. And you know, it I still lingers, like.
1: And. Over the f- years and the decades that passed, did you ever come across those? Uh, how how, how no. many? How many within that bullying group? Uh, four. Did you ever come across any of them?
12: No, I made it my business to, to move everything, and moved J clubs, moved out of the area. I did when I was older, so I don't see them at all now. Not all right. Mm. You know, but right. they look. They would have you, their would own you like? They' there what? They have their own issues as well. There was for a reason that they were the way they were.
1: The I know, uh, but I, know, but I hear issues. that all the time Do we need to think of the bully. Why do we have to say that?
12: But see, that hurt me as well when I heard the first news. Well, I'm coming from a person who was severely bullied. But if, if, if we, if we start give out about the bullies and slating them, then we're no better
1: than them. But the it's consequences been, really for you stuff. included depression, anxiety yeah. uh, and attempted suicide. Yeah. Good God, man. Mm. was your yeah. fear that because this was deep within your persona, maybe even in your you know, your biological makeup, this anxiety, this fear, this prone to depression because of bullying, that you would pass that on to your children
12: I did I passed it on to my my oldest um, and for the first three years of her life she was shy, timid she, had, she wouldn't go into crowds because I wouldn't and um, you know, she she walking with her head down, she wouldn't talk to people, she didn't want to go into school um for the first three years of her life and then um what you call I went away and done this, this course and she's a different girl. I'm I'm so proud of her, but I'm proud of her for being her, not for being what I want her to be, but what she wants to be. I know she's only six and a half, seven now, but she, she she's running into school, she has friends. You know, she's able to ask for what she wants. And if if there's a no, then we have a conversation about why there's a no. It's not just a straight no. So there's respect. Yeah. You know, and I'm just talking from me. I'm not telling every parent. I'm just talking about my experiences. That's all. You know, I'm not telling anyone else to be something they're not like, you know. But I need to find myself first before I could parent my child. It's like, for me, I suppose, if you go to pharmaceuticals, you you know, you're told, this this is how you do a job. You know, you're trained. For being a parent, you, I remember, the, you know, here's a child, and off you go. Yes,
1: indeed. There's, no, there's yes. no nothing. That's why I said to you at the start that we kind of learn on the job. You see? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but, uh, but learning on the job can, for right reasons or wrong reasons, perhaps involve replicating your parents and how they parented you. And, and, yes, and this research RL. is RL. saying that that's that parents these days they're just not having, not having any more of that. Yes,
12: because you can go the actual total opposite as well. Like, you know, you could have a, uh, a parent who's an alcoholic, and you might not drink, and not might, and you might want your kids to drink. But well, that, not even that, but just you,
1: have, if you, go you that Yeah. Well, also that you could have, you could have parents who, to you, were really strict disciplinarians, and mm-hmm. you you you're the complete opposite then because you say, well, mm-hmm. my parents were too strict, way too much discipline, way too much corporal punishment, way too much grounding. It wasn't a nice environment as a child. For me, I'm never going to do that for my child. And they're much more relaxed about it now. Yes, they
12: are. But you can go at the extreme that way as well, Neil. And as you were talking with helicopter parenting, you know, you can go to the total opposite and that can be equally as bad in time, you know, where, where there's no no rules or people can just kind of do what they want. So if you can, if you can find somewhere in between, I think, for me, I found somewhere in between, for, then it, it, it all started to
1: click into place. So when you... When you teach parenting courses now, um, how, how does that, this is the parents who are, are just desperate to learn how to do it right? Is it? Yeah, yeah. But there's kind of but no that, right and wrong. Should, like no,
12: that's, yeah. that's the, But that that's the thing. They come thinking they're doing parenting wrong. But like, there's no wrong. That they learned from what was before them, and, and so, so on and so on. So there's no blame. But when parents come to the course, like I we said, we start talking about themselves first. And you can see them kind of go. All oh, right, maybe that's why I'm giving out to my child because I don't like when I do that, or you know. And yes. it goes back then to the, to the parent. And when when they tweak that, next thing, all of a sudden, parenting becomes that much, that little bit easier. I'm not saying parenting is easy at all, but it becomes that little bit easier.
1: And part of this parenting course, do you dwell on your own backstory of bullying to these four bullies and how you were ostracized by all of your classmates and the? School didn't wish to pick up in a... Do you talk that story through? If, if, in, 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 in the, the courses, was nailed,
12: I'm learning as much as their people are. So I'm learning from them as well. I, I don't know more than those people. I just know from what I learned in college, But yes, I talk with me as well. And then I found that, that, that it, it opens up people. You know, People can open up and, and, and talk to you if, if they can relate to you. You know I find that i I volunteer for the Samaritans, and I find that that helps massively that they open up and they're just they, they, people listened in you know
1: yeah, I think one of the issues with regards to your experiences in primary school could have been issues for other parents who then in in then in turn then. Um, you know, worry that it could happen to their children because it happened to them. Do you know what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say,
12: what I, I was that, Yeah, I was terrified it would happen to my oldest daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, there was an incident in the school and I rang the teacher because there was an incident. But I, the only thing I asked the teacher was how did my daughter, I didn't mind who it was or anything, I didn't want to know. I, it wasn't my place. No, I just wanted to know how my daughter reacted. And I found out that she told that person no. And when that person didn't do it, she went up and told a teacher, and the teachers are out, and they're best friends now. Yeah, but yeah. All, all I, all I was so delighted that
1: my daughter was able to do that, you know? You weren't able to do it yourself as a child? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I tried,
12: but it was too many. And I was up against too much.
1: Do you, do you tell them how to pick up for warning signs that there could be issues for their children? Well,
12: it's all about communication. The massive thing is communication in in a family life, right? and you know, you kind of you kind of just point out what, what may or may not happen, or, or like because every child is different. So you just go for signs that only the parent will know in the child, you know, because as a every child comes home differently from
1: different experiences. Can I share something with you, if if you don't mind? Yeah. Okay, this is, this is uh, an email that I received. Not sure how to start this email, but here goes. My son is seven years old and attends a local primary school. My other three children have all attended this school over the years. A new principal started in the school this year. My son has been subjected to verbal and physical abuse by another seven-year-old boy in his class. My son has been punched in the back of the head. He's been elbowed, shouldered, kicked, threatened to be shot with a gun called fat there's loads of incidents, some of which have been witnessed by teachers. It's now come to the stage my son is refusing to go to school. I've done everything, I've done every school procedure the school have to no avail. I met with the chairperson of the board of management, the principal, the boy's mum and the boy's psychologist. Um, my son isn't the only child who's been subject to verbal and physical abuse by this one boy.' The school are refusing to do anything about it. All I get is that this child is entitled to an education, but my son is entitled to an education in a safe environment. We bring our children up to respect one another and talk nicely, but on a daily basis they are subjected to this boy swearing at the teachers, disrupting class, and again the principal would do nothing about it. I'm just at a loss and it's coming to the stage now. I have to consider taking my boy out of the school because I can't subject him to another five years of this. This has been going on since junior infants and they're now in first class. Teachers are leaving the school because they don't like the way the principal deals with this particular boy. She's putting the boy's needs first before everyone else's. The principal phoned my husband the other day and our first words to him was, It's okay, no child is dead. My husband was shocked as every time we see the school number appear on the phone, We fear the worst. The principal has told me she cannot guarantee the safety of my child in school. If these incidents were happening to an adult, you'd get the Garda involved. But the Garda can't do anything about it. People have died from a punch to the back of the head. If a secondary school child was threatened to be shot, they'd be expelled. But this primary school child is allowed to continue to go to school. I've now been contacted by other parents who are having the exact same issue with this boy in the school. I was told to write to the school board of management, but I was then told by the chairperson of the board and the principal that they sit down and go through the letters that come into the school and they decide what the committee should do so the board of management have no idea what's going on. They don't get to see it. I really don't know what to do. No one seems to know who to make a complaint higher than the principal. Does an incident have to be so severe that the powers will then step in? Don't give up my details. I live in a small community, but I would appreciate some advice. Um, I know, I know. I'm springing that email on you, but the the child who's doing the punching, the elbowing, the shouldering, the kicking, the threatening to shoot them with guns, um, has a, a, a psychologist, right? So that makes that makes it very different in in, in one sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Or would it be bullying?
12: Well, if your child thinks it is, then it is for that child. Like you know, for for the person that's, ha- that's happening to, but like, the, for me, there you know, is, is the principal, where is the principal? Why isn't this principle strong enough to be able to do something for it? Is there something, you know, deeper that the principal isn't, isn't saying or doing? And um, like, this song is very similar to, to what happened to us. And you know, I just, I know the principal wasn't in a place to do what they need to do for me. So. Like, unfortunately, like my mother had to take me out of school, but that was just my, that was my situation, you know. In fairness, my mother did everything, above and beyond. She was so. In a case like this, her, when no one, be,
1: well, so in yeah. a case like this, when no one is listening, and in a case like where your mother, no one was listening to your mother, she took you out mm-hmm. of school. It, would that be the advice that you're never going to win this? You just take your child out. I, I, must, I, I never give advice, and
12: something else you know, because everyone is different, and every situation is different. But I suppose, you know, maybe you need to sit down with, maybe there is somewhere as you can go higher than the principal. Maybe you need to go a bit, you know, maybe there's more looking in. But I suppose one thing is I wonder why the child is doing that, the the bully. like Because there
1: are clearly psychological issues involved in this child. Um, The fact that the child has a psychologist Mm -hmm. assigned, but for Mm -hmm. everybody else in the class is causing huge disruption and fear with the children, the shouldering, the kicking, the threatening, the elbowing. Uh, loads of incidents. Some of them witnessed by but They're just—they just—they don't, just, do, don't want it go near the, the story because the child would would have needs.
12: But so so do the, so, so do all your kids in the class, and like there has to be some sort of rules and, and boundaries that if this happens, then there is consequences. Like they were talking about yesterday, you know, maybe does the detention. I don't know what they do in schools, but there has to be consequences. You know, it can't be just left free for all. As to say that. Every child deserves an education. Yes, they do, but also they deserve to be
1: safe in the school, Neil. My son isn't the only it. child who's been subject to verbal and physical abuse. The schooler refuses to do anything about it. Other parents are also very, very worried, so this child is holding them all to ransom. I understand that there probably are psychological issues, but it's not fair on the rest of the kids or their families. No, issues, it's no? not. It's, okay. not. But it's actually not fair on that child as well. He, he might need other help, you
12: know, that's that maybe he's not getting, or I don't know the situation, but they might, he might need something else, you know?
1: Here's some text so, with regards to your very open, you're an extraordinary man, You're a very open conversation with him, my heart is broken for Michael, people are so cruel, my daughter is five, and starting school in September, I'm a nervous wreck thinking something like this will happen to her, see that nervous parenting now, anticipating the worst?
12: But all you do is empower that child, tell him how, how great they are, and that, you know, that that, that I'm here for them as a parent you know, and then they can talk to me just empower them, make, that, that's what I believe for me, and it worked for me
1: My child was bullied by the popular kids for over six years in a girls school, I told the teachers they did absolutely nothing Yeah Sad isn't it? It's a lot of that, it's a lot of that. You know, yeah. you mentioned there I'll let you go in a moment, I promise you you mentioned there that you volunteer for the Samaritans um were you motivated to do that because of what you went through that subsequently led to the depression, the anxiety and the suicidal thoughts? Yeah, because I, I suppose I've gone to a fair few
12: counsellors in my time and I remember one counsellor that asked me a question and I actually got up and walked out and said, if you know anything about bullying, you wouldn't have asked me that question. And I suppose I never want anyone to go through that. So, you know, if, someone, if I'm able to listen to someone and, and acknowledge them on you know, with the smart is then,
1: yeah, then that's why. And are you allowed to discuss? I you know, and I don't want to know details of individuals or anything, clearly you don't even know that, but mm. the types of calls that you pick up on? As well as across the board, it, it's mental health, Neil, straight across the board,
12: from, from very young to, to very old. It all kind of stems to mental health, a lot of it. Would any of it be issues regarding bullying? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. But as I say, the majority is mental health. But yeah, you'd get you get bullying as well. But I say, you know, it could be everything and anything, really.
1: And would you, you? You clearly would be on the phone talking to people who do want to end their lives, and you have to listen, isn't it? and Listen. That's right, yeah. 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 And some of those calls could be quite lengthy, couldn't they? Yeah, they can be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and do you feel do you do you feel that doing that, taking the calls and volunteering with the with the Samaritans, does it fulfil you? I mean, do, do what, what do you get out of it? Yeah, I, I love going away
12: knowing that I could have helped somebody, you know, that listen to somebody, that maybe lonely people, that get uh, someone to listen and actually listen to them, you know, and, and not just be kind of being a bit of a hula them, but actually just listening mm. and. So yes, I love it for that, and hence the reason like, I'm a caretaker in the college, but I've gone, I'm trying to go down this road now, just because I want to, to help people help themselves. Not, not for me to tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing, but for them to figure out what, what works for them, and, and to help themselves. Okay,
1: okay. And the course that you're doing, is, is that open to the public? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and how, how, how could yeah. people kind of reach out and get in touch with you?
12: Um I suppose i I I started off I'm in the Kinsale advertiser 'cause I'm based in Kinsale. Um or if you go online there you can see the Kinsale advertiser and my um my ad is in that. Because uh, I do cooperational counselling as well. and uh, relationship mentoring. Okay. Um okay. so I, yeah, so i was got the Kinsale advertiser at the moment. And um, but if anyone needs anything they can I can give you my number and you can you can give it out if anyone or if anyone has been affected by this as well I, no problem listening to anyone or, or talking to anyone do you if, wish me
1: always, to pass on your phone number if people call looking for it is that what you're saying
12: if, if, they, if they want to if, okay. if, they, if okay. they want to
1: no problem with it ok 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 lovely chatting with you thanks so much Michael do stay in touch alright thank you so much your time. Okay. thank you Michael Welsh uh, www.kinsaleadvertiser.com. You'll find details of what he does and how he does it and how you can get in touch. If anybody's looking for his mobile number, we can certainly pass that on to you as well. And the Samaritans are always available. Michael volunteers for the Samaritans. Their number is 116123. 116123. Your thoughts are welcome in that conversation. Text o eight six eight one zero four.
7: Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from
5: 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show.
1: A right, fast shout out to uh, St. Stephen's Pitch and Putt in Glenmire. They're having a mass Thursday at 7pm in the clubhouse and they've just got in touch to say it's to celebrate their 50th anniversary and they're looking to reach as many past and present members as possible to come celebrate the 50th anniversary and there's a mass at 7 o'clock in the clubhouse this coming Thursday. All are welcome. There'll be refreshments afterwards and the president of the club, Patrick McNamara, got a touch and they say they listen to the show in the clubhouse every day so well done you have great taste you have great taste Uh, with regards to parents and parenting and whether or not they're lenient too lenient these days very interesting modern parents parents do not expect their children to help with household chores and almost half are much more relaxed as i said earlier on about what their children eat and what they drink so they're no chores they don't have to do jobs, um, and that that's kind of interesting. I would have thought that they would. They say that their modern parents are much better when it comes to previous generations with regards to supporting their children. Um, you know, they spend more quality time with them. They're twice as likely to do, um, you know, imaginative games or arts and crafts than the time that their parents had back in the day um, when they were being reared. Um, they even went so far as to say that they feel uncomfortable with their own parents Looking after their children. Why would they feel that way? 31% of them feel uncomfortable about their own parents minding their young children. Is it that they would give them bad habits or that they would be disciplinarian grandparents? I don't know. Anyway, some texts on that. I, can, I can't understand this. As family life years ago consisted of a mother, father being at home more. So, one parent was always at home. Our mother only worked while us children were in school. Parents today are under pressure to work in order to pay a mortgage and two cars and put food on the table, send children to school and do all of the after-school activities, not to mind the fact that because they're both working, they're paying for childcare and school costs. So, I'd love to know what families they surveyed. Most families have an hour or two these days with their children in the evening, or a Saturday or a Sunday, if they're lucky, in that they're ch- taking their children to matches, or training, or swimming, or horse riding. The cost of living and the pressures on families these days is crazy, point being for more that it was much more relaxed and easier, and possibly much more involved in family life with children years ago. Ruth says, yes, parents are more lenient now, which is why there are gangs of teenagers tearing through the city and towns, terrorising people and causing mayhem everywhere they go. More on that in a minute. I think that's the thing. People have blurred ideas that being more affectionate means you can't still have firm boundaries. You can do both. Your child isn't going to like you all of the time and that's okay, says Ryan. Laurie says, I don't know. Life's hard enough without being down their throat every five minutes. It's a different era now. You have to leave them make their decisions themselves and suffer their own consequences. I believe it's the only way they can truly learn. It's the age of internet and social media. There's lots of pressure on kids nowadays. Uh, Morning, I'm a secondary school teacher and have parents ask me to discipline their children because they can't make them study at home. Yes, I know parents are struggling because they don't have the same time with their kids that our mothers or parents had with us. But some parents simply don't know how to discipline their own children because they never have. And then when push comes to shove, it's too late to start. Kids deserve freedom but only when they show that they deserve it, says Killian, who's a secondary school teacher who has parents asking him to discipline their children. All we had to do long ago was to give them a look, but we still worked only till they came out of school, says Bella. Well, it was the look you might get, particularly from your mother, I suppose. So nobody's allowed to give you a good clatter anymore or a slap of the wooden spoon. My mother was tiny, but boy, she could use that spoon. And you think twice about doing whatever you did a second time, says Sean. And one final one. There was just as much terribleness before kids got good attention. People saying, it was better in the old days. We never misbehaved because we were too scared. Uh, But that's only pure nostalgia. You're looking at the past with rose-tinted glasses because we love the past. But there was every bit the amount of misbehaving back then. We also have more instant access to news and information so it just makes it seem as if there are more problems nowadays when there are not. So says Joe. Text 868 Back, uh, j- just two minutes. Talk to Shane a second, just after the break.
5: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 818 Red FM.
1: Happy to share uh, all the calls, texts and comments, um, text 868 104 I wonder if Michael's very honest and open conversation about his childhood, whether it was five years in primary school of bullying, is ringing any bells, reminding people of maybe their own childhood or how they dealt with it or how the school dealt with it or how your parents dealt with it. Do get in touch. You can always email neil at redfm.ie. Can I flip back to earlier on this morning because I was telling and we were chatting about um, the video that I was sent from ovens of fairy winds, right? This was a a, a very, very localised wind. Everywhere else was absolutely flat calm when the video was being recorded out in ovens and all of a sudden you saw all of the straw and all of the dry grass lifting up in a kind of a tornado type fashion up into the sky upwards of a you know it was like a dance sometimes it looked quite angry as it was moving around but kind of dancing and swirling around the place like a tornado up about a hundred feet And we were talking about the old beliefs of winds like that and was contacted by shane broderick the folklorist with the irish pagan school might be able to fill in some of the blanks for us so michael or shane good morning Hi Neil, Just following on Michael and Kieran's videos that were sent to me yesterday, what 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 is it all about? I mean, traditionally going back, there were beliefs about that kind of a fairy wind, were there?
13: Yes, so they, they would have called them a fairy wind. Or there's a few. Um, there's a few terms in Irish that they would have used. She uh, as as was another one. one was it? The, yeah, yeah, or uh, She Don She is another one that's fairly common as well. What do they but, mean? Um, what do like they translate to mean? Uh, just typically fairy wind or uh, uh, a fairy gust or something along those lines. Um, but the the belief is, like you said, uh, the fact that it was calm other than that is one of the main features of it. And typically be some sort of unnatural sort of wind that will build up. Sometimes there's even a noise to it, like a a humming sort of noise that you might
1: find. Oh, Patrick didn't describe humming. He's the guy, he was on with me this morning. He recorded it and was standing. He said there was absolutely no wind. It was flat, calm, beautiful, sunny day, just in that localised area where the wind was swirling and the tornado-like tube rose up from the grass. Yeah, yeah,
13: that's what will normally uh, make them stick out or why people will consider them fairy winds. Is because it will build up out of nowhere and that there is no other wind around as well.
1: And what did people believe when they saw them? I mean, are we, are we talking about hundreds or thousands of years ago or what?
13: No, no, even up until relatively modern times, it would have been still fairly common for people when they were working in the fields especially to assume there were fairy winds, like even into the last, uh, even the middle of the last century or beyond so uh, into the 1900s. Because when the the National Folklore Collection was being collected, from the 1930s onwards into the 40s, 50s, um, it, it was fairly common for them to collect uh, stories about this. And it's quite often farmers giving uh, stories of how they were in fields and a wind that build up and knock over haystacks or uh, pick up some of the work they were doing and do all the work they'd done for the day. Uh, sometimes they can even lift up uh, items take them away or even people could be carried off by them as well.
1: And they believed that these were fairies.
13: Yeah, well there's, there's, uh, there's typically a belief that there's fairy paths that we can't see, usually connecting fairy trees and fairy fort. And quite often they thought that that was them moving between them during the day. Right. Uh, sometimes it could be a belief that they were fighting if it was um, a, a bigger one. Um, and people would typically avoid getting hit by it because there was a belief that you'd get what was called fairy stroke, or you might get sick over the next couple of days and waste away and die. Or <laughs> really? might be just what they called, yeah, yeah, or people might be swept away, is what they called it, um, where you're actually taken to the other world by them. Go
1: away. they They really looked at the negative of every, everything, didn't they, Shane? They were like in mortal fear of everything around them.
13: Yeah, well, when when life was harder than it is now, um, a, a lot of things had to be explained away and if you could take any sort of measure to stop that from happening or if you had to find some sort of explanation for why it was happening we'd usually go to something that was within your belief Yeah, system, yeah you that you'd get fairy.
1: a withering disease off it or you'd be snatched away by yeah. the fairy wind and taken to another world yeah. They'd bless themselves accordingly, would they?
13: They would uh, usually utter a blessing at us, or what was typical is you'd pick up a bit of grass and throw it after us if you divided us, or throw it at us if it was coming towards you, and say are blessing them as well, and it might um, stop us.
1: Like, we may, we may find that kind of nostalgic or kind of cute to be talking about, about fairies now and what have you, but there was a time for many, many, many centuries, wasn't there, where people believed that there was another world and we lived alongside each other and respected both, yeah? Am I right?
13: Yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah. And it's still, it's not, you can't exactly relegate it completely to the past as well because There is still a belief among people that uh, another world does exist alongside our own and that fairies do exist as well and stuff like that. And is
1: that one of, is that that part of the evidence, the fairy wind, to prove that that is true, do you think?
13: It would be, yeah. Um, they, they would look to things like that but um, there's even just to, to go a bit off it but there was a, a fairly large natural disaster um, in the 1830s, 1839 especially and uh, January 6th and 7th, there was a massive storm and it's called, in Irish it was called Ehen more or the night of the big wind in English and um, that, that ended up making thousands of people homeless, it ended up killing hundreds of people, it was just such a bad storm across the entire country, and that eventually picked up a bit of thing that it was either um, the fairies from Ireland and England fighting the causes, or it was the fairies actually leaving here, some of the stories there as well, and they just caused such a, a destruction as they were leaving that that happened.
1: And people actually believed that, did they? Genuinely, like?
13: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like that it wasn't just a climatic incident, it was... Fairies of another world fighting or moving or picking up, or you know and nobody questioned them and said stuff. you're nuts to think that
13: um well you, you'll always no matter where you look, you'll always find people who will question stuff like that or who will think it's it's stupid or it's it's backward, but there's always just as many people or more that are going to believe it or that's part of their belief system and that's how they look for an answer or look for an explanation as to how that
1: happens. Why people wouldn't for instance plough a fairy fort or a fairy hill and isn't that true they, they just wouldn't be very superstitious about that? Yeah,
13: yeah. Yeah they wouldn't touch them and trees as well if, if it was if it was found out that it was a fairy tree or a fairy fort they they probably wouldn't go near it um, because again there's hundreds and hundreds of stories where people get sick or people get injured and find like massive thorns inside in their skin and stuff like that or in their beds at night so it's just a a sort of a a social thing that built up maybe to protect things that were part of the the landscape you know
1: is the way it was yeah and you think to some extent there is still a belief in that yeah
13: Oh, there is definitely there is still a lot of people out there who would believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not as much as there would have been, obviously, but there is
1: still a belief there. And do we hold true with? Okay, so they're fairies. Do we hold true with banshees as well? Then, or, or even even leprechauns? Or is that the kind of diddly I think that everybody knew that leprechauns there was no such thing. You know, you know what I mean. And it was just a, a bit of fun.
7: I, I wouldn't.
13: I wouldn't cast it off that much okay. to say there's so much it's just that they're, they're just another version of a fairy uh, especially and the Banshee was a much stronger belief anyway as well and I'd say it still would be with the amount of families who were supposed to have one uh, like I even had remember my grandfather as a kid telling me stories about when he thought he, he heard a Banshee like
1: what was that story did he tell you where and when or was it just I a just, sound it, did he meet the Banshee no
13: he was no, he didn't see it. You, you, you more often, with the, with the accounts, more often hear it rather than actually see it. But what it was with him is that he was going home and he heard it screaming and, and that he ran home and it followed him and he could hear it all around him, which is one of the, the characteristic things of stories of them is this: it's omnidirectional. It's not actually just coming from one place.
1: And was he 100% convinced?
13: He was convinced it was real, yeah, but uh, I, I can't remember whether anybody was supposed to have died after he heard it. Um, what, so for
1: those that don't know, what is the significance of the banshee screaming or crying or queening or wailing?
13: Yeah, so it follows a certain number of families. No, depending on what story you look to, it could be attached to a small number of Irish families, but over time they tended to attach to uh, some of the Norman families that came in through intermarriage and stuff like that, like the Fitzgeralds have one Um, but what it was is that it will typically come if the head the male head of the family is about to die that she will come and announce the fact that he's going to die by crying or queening or, or keening that he's about to die, uh, leading up to the death, usually. And it can even be heard in other countries. People who might have uh, emigrated
1: might hear it. Oh well. my God. Family members overseas would hear the same banshee call.
13: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So if somebody heard the banshee wailing or queening, what would that signify to them that there was going to be a death in the family, or if there was somebody sick, they were going to die?
13: Yeah, typically that somebody in the family was going to die. Um, and it'll usually be heard around the house as well. Not by the person who's actually dying, but
1: just other members of the family will usually hear it. So you only hear the banshee. You wouldn't ever see the banshee.
13: Sometimes see seen. It, it's more often than not. People will hear it rather than see it. Uh, but th- there is times when people will see it and depending on where it's seen as well it'll depend on what they see so it can be an older woman in most of the country but there's parts of like wexford and stuff like that where it's actually a very young woman uh blonde and younger rather than an old gray-haired woman
1: yes i always i was got the impression of a banshee being a very elderly witch-like creature this is in my mind's eye now with maybe a long black Hooded cloak, maybe like the Kinsale cloak or something like that. You know.
13: Yeah. Well, most most of the country, it, it more or less tends to be an older woman. But as I said, there's there's a, a certain area where she's referred to as the bive, where and um, she'll she'll typically be a, a, a younger, more beautiful woman rather than an old one.
1: Amazing. I remember my my mother-in-law, the late Kitty Lenehan, told me years ago that. Um, for some I, I, years, she was very, very young, and she would have been down around um, uh, down Little Island Way, probably around North Esk, where the train tracks were, because the fa- many, many of her family and her people were involved in the in the trains, and they were coming home from Cork or going to Cork late one night, and coming against her, they used to walk the tracks. Was a very elderly elderly woman, she said, um, um, who just came right at them. Um, wasn't walking, was more like floating. And she said to me, floated right through her and out the other side. An amazing story. I mean, and that yeah. would have been, perhaps that would have been around about maybe the nineteen. I guess that must have been the 1940s, you know? So, very much yeah, believed yeah. that it was the Banshee. Yeah. Powerful stories, though. Folklore is an amazing topic, isn't it? I mean, there's just so much. It is. There's it is fascinating. So, I don't know whether, and, or, the, whether or, you would or call or it
13: Yeah. No, but we're lucky to have one of the largest uh, folklore archives uh, in Europe, nearly in the world, and it's all digitised online that you can go and search it. So it's at ducas. Spell that. And uh, it's it's definitely d u c h a s i. dot i-e Fantastic.
1: Further details at ducas.ie. Shane, lovely chatting with you. Thanks for sharing the stories. Hello, and thanks for having the me on again. Cheers, my man. Do stay in touch. We'll talk again. Shane Bodrick, folklorist with the Irish Pagan School. Further details, www.ducas.ie. Um, thanks for that. Let me, let me just stay with phone lines, actually, if you don't mind. I to have a chat with CFNN uh, is on line three. Annette, good morning.
2: Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm not too bad and I'm not
1: too good. Oh, uh, right. Well, why aren't you too good?
2: I tell you what now, Neil. When I came into Douglas and nursing home and retirement home, my son was minding my golden retriever called Buddy. Buddy. And Buddy. And Mrs. Wallace from the council, his bungalow was burdened down in Holly Hill. Oh dear. And Mrs. Wallace couldn't let Patrick keep my golden retriever so he had to give him away with these two other dogs right.
1: okay, so.
2: and I'm heartbroken and it's, I know now Neil it's three years but I'd love to know is he being treated the same way as I did? I treated him or would anyone re, let, write and let me know or yeah. send me a photograph of him
1: yeah, yeah, yeah Please. Now, Buddy was your dog. And when you went he into was. when you went into retired living in Douglas Nursing Home, your son took him. Couldn't keep him because of the fire. So your son then... Does your son know where Buddy went?
2: Well, I tell you to be quite honest with you. He, he do know where he went, but he won't tell me because I'd be obsessed. Right. Okay. That's the honest truth.
1: Right. But you just want to know if Buddy is being cared for, well looked after and happy.
2: Yes. If they only could send me a photograph or write to me, Neil. Yeah. Please.
1: How, how old would Buddy be, Annette?
2: He'd be about, wait well, no. He'd be about six years old, no, Neil. He was three years when I had him. He'd be about six years. And he was a lovable lo- 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 dog. He wouldn't harm no one. He was as quiet as a mouse, like the
1: Irish sky dogs. I'd say he's making a beautiful family pet.
2: I hope so. I'd say he is, and I'd say
1: he's well-loved by the family and the children who have him.
2: Well, I'd love to know, like, you know, that I wouldn't be worried about him.
1: So three years ago, somebody would have got a golden retriever into their family or their home... He would have been three years old at the time, beautiful, soft, docile, lovable little dog. Would he have been big at the time as three as a, as a Golden Retriever? Well, he,
2: he wasn't very big, Neil.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're a beautiful looking dog, aren't they, Annette? Oh, they're
2: handsome, Neil. I tell you honest truth, my heart is broken.
1: And you must have been very sad to part with them a few years back.
2: Oh, God, Neil, I was, I'm, even today, I'm still very sad.
1: Oh, I know, I know. So why wouldn't you be? It's like a family member, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. How's life otherwise for you, Annette?
2: You're not too bad, Neil. Depressed. I'm not in myself all the time.
1: Ah, that's a shame. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. That's a shame because that's a lovely place. I've been in there once or twice. It's lovely. Very oh, just indip-
2: beautiful! They would know what to do for your needs.
1: You have loads of independence. There, your own little place and everything.
2: Oh, I have yes. And do
1: you get out much?
2: No, I don't.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: And I don't have no family to come in to see me, like.
1: Right. Okay. So you never get a spin out in the good weather or anything, no? No need. No love. No. What about go for a spot of Sunday lunch or anything like that? No. Okay. Oh, well, that's unfortunate, isn't it? Hmm. Where are you from, Annette?
2: I'm I'm from Hollyhill
1: at right. Cullen. Were you born and reared on the north side?
2: I was. Yes, I was born and reared in Brondesburgher, in a in a house in Mary's place. And then my mother and father moved to Redemption Road. Yeah. And my sister was in a car accident, and she was paralysed from the waist stone and she died at forty.
1: Oh dear! That's was the two sisters and yourself and your sister?
2: No, there was seven girls and five boys.
1: What was a big family? <laughs> How did your folks put food on the table?
2: I don't know, Neil.
1: Twelve but of
2: you. Yeah. But they did in Mount poking of a house, Nate. Poking of a <laughs> house? Yeah. They did they did their best, they gave us hot meals. they never left us short food or anything.
1: Go away. And what so like what did your mum and dad do? Did your dad go out to work every day, bring home the money, was it?
2: Yes, my father was a plasterer.
1: Go away.
2: He was working for John Hornybrook. John Hornybrook
1: Oh, yeah, I know Horny Brooks, the builders, yeah, 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 I do know them, yeah, there's one of the Horny Brooks in Douglas, actually I went to school with one of the Horny Brooks, Michelle, well, one of the daughters of the builders, Michelle, we went to school together. Yeah, well, I years.
2: wouldn't know any of them, no, Yeah, me, because yeah. My, yeah. my father's dead and buried now, like, and my mother and my sister, the three from gone like
1: could you imagine back in the day, a mum and dad and twelve children inside in the same small house, trying to put three meals up on the table and birthdays, know, birthdays and, and ki- Christmases and everything.
2: That's right. The kitchen was a little pork of a kitchen, only one could fit, could fit in it.
1: Only <laughs> one. <done. laughs>
2: but I tell you one thing: <laughs> when we, when we, what um, coming up to the excursion down in y'all years ago, yeah. And my mother and her grandmother, God rest them, they used to take us down to y'all, and there was only one train going to all at 10 o'clock in the morning. And you have to be ready then to come back at 5 o'clock, because otherwise you have to find your own mail home. That's own.
1: right. It was a clamour to get on the train, That's wasn't right. it?
2: Yeah. And my mother and my grandmother, what she would do is... She sent six of us on, you know, where your man would take the tickets. <laughs> yeah. And she sent six of us on, and we'd say to your man, the ticket fella, me, Mammy, is back there with the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and- and when we'd be coming up on the five o'clock, we were all in the train like sardines. <laughs> and when we were coming back up on the five o'clock train, the same fella was on. He said, Go on, I know your mammy is back there with, with the tickets. <laughs> Do
1: you think they knew when they were just turning a blind eye?
2: Oh, they did. They knew that everything was going on, that we had nothing, like.
1: Right. Yeah. Do you remember the old song, We All Went Down to Y'all?
2: We left the baby fall. My mother came out and gave me a clout and turned me into a bottle of sauce.
1: <laughs> I could only remember the first line of it. You have all four lines. Oh,
2: I have all four of it, Neil. <laughs> and you if you have any passes to give away, I'll be delighted. I can
1: tell you, you can have whatever you want. You can have the pick of them. Did you like, and were you a great singer in your time? I was. Who'd you like, what songs did you like to sing?
2: Uh, a song.
1: Uh, Were the Irish and songs? Col- or like, do you uh,
2: like? Uh, Only f- uh, some Irish songs.
1: Oh yeah, Oldies and I Irish. I love the
2: song. Yeah. I I, I uh, like the song. Come by the hills. What's that? How to does The land made of fancy decline. That's all I know.
1: <laughs> You should start a sing song in there once a week, in Douglas. i i must strike a choir to get her
2: need. Get a choir. Together, Neil.
1: You a choir. We get a couple of musicians in there to play a few songs. Oh, for you. I will. Huh?
2: I will. I will. Buy. And what
1: you do with yourself? Did you Did you have a family yourself? Did you marry? Did you settle down?
2: I had uh, I had two daughters and one boy. The boy is very good to me, but I have two daughters All right, that well, didn't they, they right. didn't speak to me for for six years
1: alright well that's sad to hear and did you go out to work yourself
2: oh I worked in the, uh, for 21 years as a carer up in the Little Sisters of Montanati
1: did you were you there long
2: and, uh, I was there for 21 years Neil
1: what is what, the Little Sisters of Montanati what did they do
2: they used to look after the old people go away go away and you... when they die, I used to have to lay them out that I never did in my life and put on their habits and join their hands and stuff their backside with cotton wool oh, and I tie them with, with a bit of a in <laughs> case they That's a bit more information than I need to know. <laughs> That's a
1: little bit more information that I need to know. <laughs> Were you frightened? I could go back you... to my childhood, Neil. Were you frightened doing that kind of work? <laughs>
2: God. I had to do what need to keep my family together. I know. When they were babies. I know, I know, I know, I
1: know. The jobs that people had to do. I know. <laughs> All right, well, listen. Um, let's see if we can find Buddy, will we? Just to find out how yes, he's getting please. on. Maybe yes, get a photograph please. of Buddy. If that was possible. Okay. Would you like that?
2: I would, yes
1: Okay So three years ago Buddy would have gone out to a foster home He'd have been three years old A golden retriever Assuming he still has the same name Somewhere hey. in Cork, right?
2: Yes
1: Okay, okay Let's see if I get any response on this, alright Annette?
2: Okay Neil
1: And I'll be back to you, okay?
2: Have you any passes to give away? If where, you don't mind me asking Where would you like to go? I'd like to go down to see Black Rock Castle. Would you? I would. I was never in there.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I have passes for Black Rock Castle for you. Oh, have you? I have, yeah. And it's not too far from where you are, incidentally. Oh, just not, no. Okay. Um. So, have you been to all of the other places around the city and the county? No, I know... no.
2: I was I was never outside Cockney.
1: Except for y'all, only, was it?
2: Only down to y'all. <laughs>
1: What was the last time you were down in Yall?
2: Oh, geez, I'd be 75 now in three weeks' time to 75 years.
1: You weren't down in Yaw since you were a child?
2: I was down in Yall when I was a year and a half. And so that was it? That was the last, yeah.
1: Were you ever in Dublin or Killarney or England mm. or Spain or France? No,
2: no, I was never there.
1: Were you ever outside Cork County? No. I was never. Amazing. Never had a passport? No. That's amazing. Only
2: you free traveling
1: pass. <laughs> you never used it. No, I didn't. Except maybe the number two down to Patrick Street or something like that. Oh, yeah. All right, well, listen, if you ever want to go down to y'all and get a bunch of other characters there from the... Douglas Nursing Home to go with you. They have some passes okay. for. Okay. Oh, anyway, listen, t- tell you what, Blackrock Castle is sorted for you, all right? And I, I, All I, right. I, I'll tell you what, if you go to Blackrock Castle, there's also a lovely cafe down there where you can get lunch and lovely food there.
2: Oh, beautiful. And, I, and
1: I'll pay for lunch for you when you have the day sorted and we'll book you in there and get you a nice bit of food as well. Okay. What? what? I don't know if they'd have any. What do you like? Do you like bacon and cabbages at or...?
2: Tri- oh, any don't tell me now
1: you'd eat dry- tripe and rashin, would you?
2: Oh Jesus, no! Nah. Oh God. Nah. Oh
1: nah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do it either. All right. Okay. Nah. I'll be back in touch with you, Annette. We'll see if we can find out where a buddy is. All right.
2: All right, Jeff. I'm on a... Will you make the appointment for
1: Black Cross uh, <laughs> Seamus will do all that for you now at twelve o'clock. All right. All right, self. I'm going to put you back on a hold now and the next voice you'll hear will be the Seamus or Claire, so don't go anywhere, okay? okay? Bye, Ness. All right, thank
2: you. Talk soon. Thank you
1: very much. Bye anybody help with Buddy the dog, I think it'd be a wonderful thing. Get in touch. Text 0868104106. The
5: Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106.
1: Lovely chat with Annette. A little bit more information than I needed to know about her job description, but it would be great if we could find Buddy the dog and see if we could see if he's doing fine. I'm quite sure he is, but she loves her dog and she misses him. We do have family passes to give away this side of midday. I'll do them in a few minutes time and let you know where they are and how many of you well you know family can go there'll be up to four so you can take yourself off to one of our many tourist attractions all over the beautiful county of Cork. Now, back to the phone lines because a little birdie told me that this man is retiring from Capwell Garage after 48 years of service. His name is Michael Ryan. I think he's... Ta- hopefully this is... Um, hopefully this is his tea break. I hear tell around this time of the day they actually... They're actually... <laughs> they're actually playing cards. <laughs> What's wrong with this goddamn phone? Is he there, Michael? No, he's not there, guys. So you'll have to go back and sort him again and see if we can get on with it. He's on hold. Anyway, he retires from Capwell Garage after 48 years tomorrow and his daughter Michelle got in touch with me and said that he's he's a right character and a jolly man a great husband and a fantastic dad as well as being the best granddad in the world and he's always up for a party and a bit of crack and she just wanted me to pass on best wishes to him and uh, say uh, hi and wish him well and see if we could do anything for him so I have all of that set up but I know what you need to do is just call back again and see if you can get him on another line so uh, can we do that and make it happen Meanwhile I'll get back to any other business we'll open the phone lines as well oh are we right oh ok line one let's see Michael good morning no problem don't, don't know what happened there I blame myself I blame myself My,
10: anyway. I was, do you know I was like, Neil, I was sweaty hands here because I'm like fell in the dugout waiting to come on for the match you know
1: <laughs> did, it I, here, like, did I, I pull you away I'm, from your game of pontoon did I
10: I know way the game would uh, come up there you know take two in the morning there like <laughs> Take two and four for the tournament for from change and all that. How oh,
1: are you feeling about retiring tomorrow after 48 years? You won't know yourself getting up in the morning.
10: Well, I tell you, I have two grandchildren there and they've walked off for me anywhere. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be there the limo down and forth anyway if they want me to be here like that you know <laughs> what I mean
1: <laughs> well Michelle tells me that you're the world's greatest husband the world's most fantastic dad and the best granddad in the world so you've a lot to live up to in retirement oh, with yeah. the grandchildren but tell me what was it 1974 did you go in as an apprentice or what I went
10: into capital as an apprentice in 1974 and I was going to uh, Salmon Street School, you know, and they came up, the jobs were advertised, you know, like, yeah. uh, they'd pay for apprenticeship.
9: Yeah.
10: And we went down to the School of Comm, and there was 200 stats for the exam. Go away. And there was three of us from the north, so I got into the job.
1: God almighty, 200 for three places? It was,
10: yeah. We were, like, there was mechanics that time, you know, I was a sheet metal worker, like. Yeah, yeah. And the other fellow was electrician. The school <laughs> actually took the job, and the other fellow went to be in his own place with a... Uh, well, she has electrical, you know.
1: So you went in as an apprentice metal sheet fabricator, but Michelle was saying you were also, did you work in, were you in the Dunn stores on Patrick Street before that, Sacking was it?
10: Well, I was working in Dunn's with another colleague of mine, in capital or Delicato. That The two of us worked in Dunn's when we were, I suppose we were only about 14 or 15 that time, you know. Yeah. After school, probably, like. Yeah. And it was, like, down in the storeroom, packing shelves and throwing boxes up to them and that, like, you know. Yeah collecting the cable box and bringing it down to know it to 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 bundle it up and stuff, you know.
1: So you would have finished school early enough then when you were when you Well
10: I went to the tech leg like, and I finished school when I was about seventeen, like I'd
1: d i done gotcha. my me, me, me group and my interceptor. That's like. the thing, group and intercerts of the And t- at the
10: time they wanted me to do the leadings of the teacher and they said I was I was crabbing enough to do I've... At that time you like Money's was scarce at home, you know. I we just had to get a job. You it know was the mean? case
1: of many young fellas and girls. They would certainly have had the ability. They didn't get the
10: college chance at all. Didn't them days, Because nobody not went to college in the seventies. Not at all. From, uh, family, right?
1: Chalk it down. I, I remember, even in the late seventies, you'd have maybe one or two percent of the class went to college. Everybody went for trades or for the bank or the civil service or just got a job. Wasn't it the case? That's right, yeah. But you were in the wimpy at weekends then, were you? Which I would right, have been yeah. the 70s to, yeah. version of a kind of like, like almost like a McDonald's, wasn't it?
10: No, it was actually like I always classed it as a American diner, you know? Yeah, you're you know, right. You see there you know, they was all, they dead red kind of um, seats, leather seats with the, the table in the middle, like, you know? Yeah. And there was, was all little noops then, you know? Burgers, wasn't it? There was a restaurant there as well, but I used to work at uh, I used to walk in the, the, the takeaway on the Friday night because you'd get a shilling commission on every pound you took in you see what that was great and I used to get more sometimes in the restaurant you know and there you'd get the other one leave for a few hours I'd get his change you know
1: you wouldn't be ru- you wouldn't be rushing after him with the change no i leave him off, so I couldn't come out through the window nah, eh? nah. so where was the where was the wimpy
10: you see in Perth, Street you know where the where the at the corner was the Swan and Signet right yeah that was the pub Next to that, you had you uh, had Kentucky. That was another restaurant. Yeah. And
1: the,
10: then you had us. We had Wimpy Bear. Next to us was Violin's the shoe store. And then you had Pat Egan the record shop in the car. Is that Pat,
1: where like. the Wimpy was? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you were never. Pat was a good. Pat was a good old friend of all like. Pat Egan. Pat was. The,
10: that was the real deal.
1: Like, yeah. gear, Like in the chain Oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, actually, I remember all of that. I worked. I worked yeah. for the same company as the old Kentucky and, and actually, m- an aunt of mine, Mary Clancy, they herself and her brother Jim Clancy, they owned the Swan and Signet back in the day. Did you go in there for a loft into the Swan and Signet?
10: I went to that old time, you know, like we. I was hanging out with friends. I mean, in there for a drink, you know
1: after cleaning out the oil from the friars and peeling like bags and bags of spuds. Where, where, where did you socialise then?
10: I used to socialise in Macassie's there in Alva Plunker Street. That'd
1: be Billy Macassie's you know, dance the pub.
10: That's up the very top by the, the bloggers or the blue or something, as it? Yeah, yeah. By the fountain. Yeah,
1: yeah,
5: yeah.
10: We used to go in there and then you'd have the starters and you'd have the arcade, you know, and you'd have, uh, you'd have a few other bars on the so, But that was mainly, Macassie's was mainly the one.
1: I was reading that Michelle was saying you, you, you fondly remember Country and Western Nights in the Stardust on a Thursday night, seeing Brendan Boyer yeah, there right. one night. and uh, you also Rolly would, Daniels. Dan Rolly Daniels. You mentioned how wine was the only thing you'd get in the early 80s because there was only wine bars knocking around. There was no nightclubs, of course, where you couldn't get a pint after the pubs closed. Oh, what for all,
10: and I tell you now a story about that. You would have, you would have a choice of wine, you see. You would either had matcha <laughs> rose here, juban or blue on. And a wild cat. But you'd have no choice, you see. And awesome. then you'd have dry martini and boys and reddit think martini, you know. James <laughs> Bond stuff, like. <laughs> and besides f- that, then, you'll be dead. i no chicken suppers as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine the stomach would have the following day. That's right. A chicken suppers. I actually supper went home gym. on ice after drinking an old veggie bunny, you know. The, honey, you know? <laughs> the home on ice, and everyone else has to throw me fucking half up, <laughs> like. And he took her off the shot and soaked her in the bed. I mean I got up during the night and night then when she entered into the bathroom she started back covering sucking red. started after him stabbed or something and she ran into the bedroom stuff and showed, Michael, Michael, what like happened? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Master, right? She saw the shirt and the red colour and thought yeah, it was blood. She being stabbed or something. It's it was about go, the Dubonnet that came up. <laughs> you wouldn't think you it, you'd go for nothing. That was the way it was, though. It was the dreaded Padrati and the Du and the martini. And what I, more disgusting than the next.
10: Oh, disgusting. I remember going to the arcade, didn't I? And their students night on a Friday night, you know. And I said, "Please, it was with me, like, and she was down there, went, you'll get, we'll get a cake, you'll we'll get a slice of appetite and cream and a cake or a cup of tea, you know. But we were down to that neither. and she said to me, I don't feel well at all. I said, no, Andy, I'm the hash next year. <laughs> You're
1: outspoken hash. That was the college nights, like the campus kitchen. You could also get a yeah. slice of quiche. Did you ever have a slice of quiche? I did, yeah. I got a slice of that too. There was no eating in quiche. Where did you meet Breeder then first out?
10: I met Breida to the Stare, actually. <laughs> And then we met, we were walking, I was hanging around with a fella by Terry, which is near many of the Annunciation uh, an dog. <laughs> and we used to meet in the Tudor on Saturday, didn't I? You know, we'd all meet up there like for a cup of tea and a cake or something.
1: The Tudor, t- 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 hold on a second now, where was that?
10: That was on Cook Street, wasn't there? So the it was a real kind of... End of the yeah. Like, like, something based oh, on uh, Beans and
1: Crawford. Yeah, you're right. It was kind of Tudor. It, it it was Tudor design. Yeah, the building. And the inside. I, I, I remember the Tudor pool hall, though. Do you remember that?
10: I do. That was across the way. Wasn't it?
1: I don't know, was it? It was on it was
10: Marlborough Street. It across was the road. Like, they did six tables upstairs. That's right. You know? That's right. And you, then you had, then we, besides that, then you had, going to the, the Grand Canyon. Remember that? It was a, Across from the capital, was a pool ball machine in there, pinball.
1: <laughs> Slot machines and as well. you to get
10: the balls into the numbers, you get 150 back.
1: <laughs> you certainly were very busy as a young Flynn in your 18, 19, into
10: your 20s. Well, I was always active and I was always doing things, you know.
1: But was there fierce crackdown through the years in Capwell, though? I think your dad was well, a like, bus conductor, you know, was something he? Well, was about
10: Capwell. Yeah. Was the, we had great times though. We, like We had a soccer team and we had a... Basketball team and we had uh, athletics, we had everything there. And we done well in the morning, like you know. (laughs) The soccer team was very good, we had great players, like them, you know. And there was one match we played down in the, I forget what it was, we were playing net anyway from Corv in the semi final the Cup. And there John Sullivan go did nearly half of uh, the Corv Lambdas team, and we beat them 2 1.
1: It was a was, great crack. Would that have been down Church Road where all those soccer pitches used to be years uh, ago?
10: They were all over the place really. Like, you know, we were up in Blackpool, all home groom kinda we got kind of up in Blackpool and up, up the hill by got up to up the top of there, there was a soccer pitch.
1: So was your job then repairing damaged buses or what? Oh yes.
10: And uh well, I started off as you'll be making panels and you'll be well in exhaust boxes and repairing rags and basically anything that was with, anything I or anything copper, brass, lead. Anything at all, you know, we'll, we'll fix it, like.
1: Just to keep the show on the road, like?
10: Keep the show on the road, like. But actually, you know, in the last two years, it was gone very strict because with the car testing and when the vehicle testing, they'd failed to put the smartest bit of rust.
1: Go away. Because I, well, I always believe that we, I always believe we always got the cast-offs of Dublin buses. Was that true? Well, Dublin get the cream. Yeah.
10: They, 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 I got stuck in New York, last year over that. Two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how else we always get the crap? Like, <laughs> Dublin get everything. They get the Lewis, they get everything. Dart. And once we're added, the red next door and not get nothing.
1: What did he say?
10: He kind of, uh, he kind of, uh, we're working on it. That's what he <laughs> always said. That's what the always said. Everything say. is we're working on, it, isn't it? The <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, was but, making that time was about a pay rise for us, you see. Yeah, yeah. Like, the railway got a pay rise, the Lewis got a pay rise, everyone got a pay rise except the garage. And will you miss and it? And they said your father was an inspector. He, he was picked an up inspector. The yeah.
1: He said no. Yeah, my father worked on the buses. My uncle worked on the buses. My grandfather worked on the buses. It's amazing. Your father worked on the buses, isn't uh, Way back in the day, he was a bus conductor, yeah. My uncle, <laughs> Paddy yeah. English, was a bus conductor. My father's father was one of the first people in 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 CIE way back in the day. That would have been in the, the 20s and 30s, going way back. Yeah. you know A lot of history in there. Will you miss it?
10: I'd miss the game of calves.
1: a <laughs> you know, like.
10: <laughs> but i missed miss the old, i missed miss the wind, you know, because they're all slagging me, you know. Yeah. Like, I've had fierce names down through the years, like.
1: Go on, like they'd what? I me
10: Mickey Poppin' Patch at one stage. Who? Mickey Poppin' Patch. <laughs> when it was to come in and they decided to be tore over you, pop and patch and a fiberglass over. <laughs> they'd call me, uh, something's burning, right now working. <laughs> something's burning, right working. Ah, oh, that's carry on. That's going on all day. they I rather some old crack anywhere.
1: Yeah, I heard I heard that once your t- your your wife gave you a moisturiser. You thought it was a moisturiser and you thought it was the business. Do you recall that story?
10: I do, actually. I tell the, the bones of that story, you know, is that I was sitting down watching the telly one night, anyway, and her sister came in, and she said, you have no moisturiser, because I use a moisturiser. Sometimes your face be dry from the wind and then I let, like, you know, the, the conditions of the weather and the you know. <laughs> anyway, I said, I have this. She said, you have no boys, sure, you know what you have. <laughs> I said, there's upstairs, look, I I'm using it all the time.
1: You said it's the job?
10: Yeah. I I said that it's a great job. She said, bring it down and give me a look, I suppose she told her, I was using all stuff, Lizella, whatever they call it. You know, the a makeup. But well, I wouldn't use a makeup like, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. I brought down the tube anyway and uh she couldn't stop it. There. And she said, I said, What's wrong? My throat, and she said that's the option we get do up. What like I was going on? With a shiny face For the last time I'd like the <laughs> water on <running. laughs>
1: You were waterproof It was a waterproof Face yeah It was cream polish For like, leather shoes Yeah That's how you put
10: on With an old thing A car You put on spread, Scrupt the on And rub it with a car
1: Big shiny head in them.
10: Shiny head yeah Only a bit of shiny head But him And come out car They tell
1: me they that the You're known big, as They tell me You're known as The Rhino Mickey Rhino Yeah <laughs> Because, got a text here saying I heard you're going to be chatting to the Rhino today about his retirement from Boss Aaron I just wanted to give him a big shout out as he made a great friend I made a great friend in him while I was an apprentice in Boss Aaron best of luck to you Rhino from the Foxy boy
10: oh the Foxy boy yeah <laughs> Do you know the Foxy boy went to Australia and his whole back he keep the proclamation printed on his back <laughs> he's just mad as shit like a big foxy head in him <laughs>
1: Do you know what I mean? That's, that's I'm assuming that's a compliment. <laughs> oh, it is. That's you joke, like? Lee. Listen, how many of you are up there in your department or your area, Bus Aaron and Capwell? Well,
10: see, um, a... I'd say there's about, I suppose there's about 120 or 50 there There's 120 there. to
5: away.
1: I want to send lunch up to you tomorrow for your last day, all right? Oh, no problem. I'm going to send it to today, actually. So I hope you haven't had a big feed already, have you?
10: I don't anything, yeah. We have a lot of hungry fellas up here There's okay. one, he four dinners anywhere. <laughs> Who's he? Who'd eat the four dinners? The MKSE. He'd have fierce Do you want to give him an extra Do an extra helping?
1: <laughs> Roosters Piri Piri have very kindly offered to send lunch to you and the gang at Capwell today for a special treat before you finish up tomorrow The Red Patrollers will deliver lunch to you and all of the gang between one and half one today
10: Oh, very good. how many how many things are we going to get? No, that's why I don't have a, get... a clue, boy.
1: I have no clue.
10: it would be like throwing a lot of peanuts into a lot of chickens, and all we will go into it.
1: Tell, I tell you what, pick your pick your favorite fifteen workmates, and tell the rest to sod off. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Listen, uh, I just wanted to catch up with you before you retired. After you nearly made the fifty, right? now
10: I did. Uh, 50, yeah, fifty. But you see, I got the double watched in. <laughs> What? I got a watch when I was 25 and they couldn't make the double watch so "All expensive.
1: So what are the they going g- to... The you know? What are they going to give you tomorrow, do you know?
10: They'll probably give me a vase of flowers or something I <laughs> so they plant them in the garden.
1: They might give you some moisturising cream.
10: They might, uh, They might give me a few flowers in my garden or something like that.
1: <laughs> what are you going to do next, though? I know you're going to be... i probably take off. you and go You're more than welcome to it, pal. <laughs> you're more than welcome uh? to it. A- you're more than welcome listen I just wanted to wish you happy uh, happy retirement after 48 yeah. years of service lunch is on the way right now
10: oh we we had better go and tell them I know they'd be a bit panicked for the canteen
1: and fair play to uh, rooster's they, beer you, you, you like a bit of chicken do you? I do yeah alright so it's chicken and they're burgers they
10: will I am at the moment uh, Neil anyway because what? they probably i up the roof some or something <laughs> they they're the only guys looking for me noise yeah. <laughs> And I'm in a bunker under the canteen, but they can't clean, you
1: Capwell see. has come to a complete standstill without you. I'll let you get back oh, to you. I'll
10: to get in the other way. I think it's gone through the roof, I right? said. <laughs> There's no the bus on the road.
1: <laughs> okay, good luck, Rhino.
10: Find yourself. Oh, well. as, yeah, as they say, upwards and onwards, and as, as Buzz Lightyear said to. to, to, to and, <coughs> and upwards of animal, onwards, and onwards. To uh, infinity! And beyond, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good luck.
1: oh my god I just love core characters the great Michael Rhino Ryan who retires from Capwell tomorrow after 48 years lunch is on the way I'll see you tomorrow have a good day for
0: more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast